Hi guys and welcome once again to the Coffee and Heroes podcast. It is time, believe it or not, despite the close proximity to our last one, for another previews podcast. So as ever, we're going to be going through the previews books. We like to do this once a month, have a look through it and pick out all the titles that we think are the ones not to miss, pick out some starting points for people, point you in the direction of good graphic novels and so forth that are coming out. So we're going to do it all. We're going to cover DC, we're going to cover Marvel and we're going to cover all the indie stuff. So your host is always Alan, owner of Coffee and Heroes in Belfast, and I'm delighted to join by Keith once again. How are you, sir? I am. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, busy day at work, uh, but glad to be sitting down to chat a little bit about comics. And uh, after last week's sort of slightly dodgy uh, audio problems, which I know uh, you cleaned up a little bit in post-production, Alan, I am pleased to say that I've got myself a new uh, a new microphone set up, so I hope it's sounding crisp. Well, I was going to say that we were just sitting in the same room. It sounds that crisp, but you know, just in case uh, the audio drops, we'll maybe not commit to that just yet. But uh, <laughs> no, still, still taking place via the the magic of the internet and the magic of Skype. So, yeah, it's pretty much that. But yeah, it's uh, it's it does seem like we only did a, a previews podcast very recently. The main reason for that was obviously there was a lot of delays over Christmas with deliveries and so forth, and there was no deliveries for two weeks. So the previews book for January for March releases got slightly lost amongst that. Whereas now this being the February previews book for release in April is now back on track. So there should be a good month after this is released for you to get your pre-orders in or do a little bit more research if there's titles that appeal to you. Even if there's stuff from the last previews one, I mean, we always get a chance to top up our deliveries. It's just always best to, you know, have it from the previews order, that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it's it, it does seem like we did one of these just a couple of days ago, but we promise we're back on track. There should be a, a big reviews podcast coming your way as well, so make sure to clear at least a day and a half to listen to all of that when we uh, go through all of our favorite titles from January. <laughs> so, yeah, plenty to keep you guys entertained. But, yeah, we're going to be going through the books, as we say. We'll start off with the DC. We'll go on to Marvel. Then we'll go on to Indie. We always like to just sort of break it down, uh, a brief overview of each. I mean, with the DC book, I always tend to take point on that. And it is a quieter month for the DC books uh, this month. If you do go back and listen to the previous podcast, it was a big month for DC. Lots of titles relaunching after Future State uh, finishing off. Lots of titles with brand new jumping on points, for example. So with this one, there's there's lots of great stuff here, but it's a lot of stuff that's continuing. So do, if any of these titles do appeal to you, do go back and uh, double check the, the previous pod just for what numbers to start with. But there are also some very promising mini-series from some of our favorite creators that we do talk about all the time. There's also a couple of unique crossover titles in the DC book this month, one of which will actually be a perfect all-ages title as well, so a great title for any any younger readers out there. Uh, there's some popular digital first series, which are making their print debuts as well, and then also some very highly recommended collect, uh, collected editions towards the end of the DC book as well. I should say that with DC, uh, we, we do always like to point this out each month, but you can find the DC previews online very easily. Just uh, search DC Connect and this uh, c-o-n-n-e-c-t and this month it is number nine which is going to be the one we're going through so that's things on the the dc side of things how about over at marvel well it's it's very much the same as the the distinguished competition this month um it's you know definitely an exciting month uh, in april but you know very much sort of I guess by the numbers after the end of of the absolutely fantastic up until now at least King and Black, 
Um, we have a big finish of a very much loved, uh, I guess, creative team on a title as that team moves on. We've got the start of some titles that, well, at least a couple of titles that were delayed by COVID. And there's a, a bit of a smattering of one shots and miniseries beginning, as well as the continuation of all the mighty Marvel stalwarts that we've uh, we've come to know and love. And we'll try and point a few of those out uh, as we go through the go through the book. And there's a there's a good chunk of uh, of big trades and hardcovers and whatnot in the back of the book, so uh, definitely worth worth a look as well. And uh, I mean. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Marvel is still very much tied to Diamond uh, with regard to their previews. So I'd say there would be maybe some value in, uh, you know, being able to get that book free the same way as you can DC Connect, you know, just online. It's definitely handy. Yeah, I think so. I mean, usually when it comes to previews, they do sneak out online a couple of days early. So we tend to find the best site for it is newsorama.com. I wouldn't exactly say all their articles are uh, 100% uh, legit, but they, when they're doing the solicitations, they're always very, very detailed and very good. So that's uh, that's a good way to get that one. Of course, once we get the store reopened and we you know go back to some form of normality, fingers crossed, uh, we'll always have all the previews books in the store for you to flick through as well. I mean, that leaves us then with the indie book. And as ever, a mountain of fantastic looking titles this month. You know, another great month, especially for Image. Certainly, for, from my point of view, you know, with a new indie title from the Doomsday Clock team. Uh, there's a new series of plenty all over the place, but also starting points for some ongoing titles that we, we always like to push on the podcast and ones that we really enjoy. Some more collected volumes as well for established titles and the return of a certain favourite little tin knight as well in a new series. So we'll be getting to uh, to all of that and breaking it down for you. We'll... As always, kick off with the DC book, and uh, again, just make sure to check it out online, guys, DC Connect. So, it's an interesting one this month, because, you know, we always break it down as the ones Keith and I are most looking forward to, but neither of us actually put down their headline title this month, which is the first title, which, it's unusual to see the, the main title DC push is actually a new Green Lantern series, so... Anyone who's been on Green Lantern the last couple of years have has been indulging in uh, what I like to call Morrison madness, as Grant Morrison has been writing Green Lantern and Liam Sharp has been expertly drawing it. But this seems to be a brand new ongoing, uh, so it does. This is written by Jeffrey Thorne with art by Dexter Soy, and this looks like it'll be a slightly more approachable uh, Green Lantern series. I'm a big fan of Morrison. Not everybody is. He, he can be polarizing. I know that one volume out of the two was enough for you, Keith. Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, I love uh, I love Morrison's run on Animal Man uh, back in the day, and uh, I really uh, I really enjoyed his his book Super Gods. But uh, there's times that it's just uh, I pick and choose. Put it like that. I pick and choose. That's fair. That's fair. But yeah, if you're looking for something, this is going to be coming out of Infinite Frontier. So Green Lantern number one. As this new Green Lantern series begins, the newly formed United Planets and the Guardians of the Universe hold an intergalactic summit to decide who can best serve and protect the cosmos from danger. With, with the majority of Green Lanterns called back to Oa, John Stewart arrives alongside Teen Lantern Kyla Quintella, whose powerful gauntlet could be one of the most powerful and unstable weapons in the universe. With the entire landscape of the universe in flux, is this the end of the Green Lantern Corps or a new beginning? So, looks like a jumping on point for those that like Green Lantern. So it might be one worth keeping an eye on. But the first one certainly that drew our attention uh, with regards to the book is an interesting one because this is me all over. This is something Keith probably looked at and went, 
I have zero interest in this. And then went, damn it, Joshua Williamson's writing. <laughs> That's it. exactly it, Alan. Exactly. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I have, I have no interest in Damian Wayne at all. I the best Robin. I think he makes a great sidekick to 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 John Kent, uh, and. Uh, I don't know. I I I disagree. I don't think he's 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 anywhere near even the top five Robins. Um, and as far as I know, there's only been five of them, wasn't there? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Robin number one. Uh, but yeah, then you look at the writer Joshua Williamson, so well known and, and appreciated for his his uh, huge flash run, uh, among other things, his run on Superman, Batman, and uh, and I just thought I can't. I can't look past that as, as as an appreciator of the art form and and as a, a lover of good writing. I just I can't look past it. And you know maybe maybe Joshua Williamson will make me fall in love with Damien. Um, the art is by Glev Melnikov. That was uh, the artist on your Jenny Jack Jenny Hicks special, wasn't yeah, it? It was indeed. Actually, a really good artist and an artist with it, maybe something to prove after recent Twitter controversy. Oh, I hadn't heard. I mean, I know him as the the artist. Uh, I know him as the artist on Angel. Uh, yeah. Certainly, whenever on Boom's Angel. But what's the what's the controversy? He put up a, a thing, and it, it got a lot of artists going a few weeks ago. And it was actually a page from I think it was one of the Venom issues, and it was a page where it was nine panels, and all nine of them were just Eddie Brock's head. Now there was different emotions being conveyed yeah. and different sort of you know, tone being conveyed. But the thing about it was he put it up and said, artists, don't do this. This is just lazy storytelling. You know, people are paying good money for your books. This is just lazy. And it kicked off <laughs> or, It kicked off a really interesting discussion. Of, you know, I thought, uh, you know, th- there's certainly um, merit to what he said, but at the same time, his generalization of this page was actually quite lazy as well, which was kind of interesting as well, because there was a lot of good emotional work being done and so forth. But mm, it was just yeah. just really interesting. So I'll be he's he's gonna have to make sure every single page is dynamic, otherwise he's well, in trouble. Jesus, at least it was at least it was an art related uh, controversy <laughs> rather than anything else. I was a wee bit a wee bit worried there, Alan. I have to say when you said that. <laughs> um, but we've we've let we've let controversy distract from the book. So uh, this is uh, the. I guess it's the Robin series uh, for uh, Infinite Frontier. So we're still seeing some first first issues coming out for DC's Infinite Frontier here. Um, and uh, yeah, it looks like we've got a looks like we've got a uh, a variant cover by Andy Kubert, who we'll be talking about very very shortly. This looks like an ongoing as well. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, this There's is no... this is marked down as an ongoing. I mean, the way the in, the slow intro to this issue is actually going to be in the pages of Batman and Detective Comics in the March releases. This is going to be they're going to have backup stories, which is focused on Robin, which are written and drawn by this team. So that's going to be almost a prelude to this, and then it it launches on its own on the twenty uh, seventh of April. So the, the solicitation reads after learning of the deadly League of Lazarus tournament. Oh, they said they said Lazarus. That's one of my one of my buzzwords. Um, not not for a DC reason. Damian Wayne has a new mission: winning the tournament and proving he is the greatest fighter in the DC universe. He's not, uh, but first he must uh, find the secret island where it's all going on. This brand new Solo Robin series will force Damian Wayne to find his own path away from both sides of his family. New mysteries, new supporting cast, first appearances of new characters, and lots of fights. It sounds a wee bit like. Uh, Enter the Dragon, Bruce Lee movie, mm-hmm. or something along those lines. You know, well, of course they were all invited to the island, but uh, it certainly got uh, got old school martial arts uh, movie, you know, kung fu movie vibes going on. This is ticking so many boxes for you. 
Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, damn you, Joshua. <laughs> if only it was Tim Drake instead of uh, Damian Wayne. I'd be so much happier. <laughs> but yeah, Robin number one, so that's going to be a new ongoing. Another uh, one that caught... There's oh, sorry, a, sorry, there's a there's a team variant cover by Glev Melnikov that, that shows the art, and it's lovely. It is lovely art. It looks very, very well indeed. Um, yeah, that looks just, to be a, a wraparound cover by the looks yeah. of it. And I know with Infinite Frontier, there's a lot of the issues they're doing wraparound covers for. As far as I'm aware, they're all free to order. So if you see the art and you like the look of it instead of a cover A for issue one, just let us know. That wouldn't be a problem. So, yeah, Robin number one to kick things off, as I say. But the next one is certainly if we were in the store and we had our board up and we had our top five picks, this would have been one of my top five picks with yeah. a doubt. <laughs> Might have been one of mine. Yeah, I would have wrote the board ahead of you, though. <laughs> you, you, write, you write the breakdowns for this, you know, and you beat me to it, but the board comes to me. Uh, but, yeah, no, the reason for this one, you know, is, is multifold. You know, it's a Batman title. It's written by Tom Taylor. It's got art by Andy Kubert. It's a six-issue miniseries. So what we've got here is Batman The Dark Knight number one. So written by the aforementioned Tom Taylor. He, of course, of Deceased, of Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, of countless other amazing titles. Andy Kubert, his most recent art that certainly struck a chord with me was he was the artist on Superman Up in the Sky with the other Tom, Tom King. And, of course, he was also the art on with Batman on Batman and Son, that arc, and on... What I think he's probably well remembered for, Batman, whatever happened to the Cape Crusader, uh, which was, you know, for me, whenever I see Andy Kubert's Batman, that's what I think of, you know, but, you know, and a well-known Marvel artist, I mean, part of a part of a dynasty of, of, uh, of artists, you know, uh, Andy, uh, son of Joe, brother of Adam, um, and, you know, founders of an, an instructor at the Kubert School, but Marvel 1602, Wolverine Origin, all of that stuff, you know, so... Yeah, well, this one's an interesting-looking title as well because it actually gets Batman out of Gotham. You know, the front cover of it actually has him sort of swinging off a building, which is facing Big Ben. So, you know, this is going to be more of an international title. So, you've also got, I should say, Brad Anderson on colours for this as well, who did such great work on Three Jokers recently with Jason Fabuk. So, with this one, an epic tale begins that will take Batman on a harrowing, action-packed European adventure in a new miniseries by Tom Taylor and Andy Kubert. A horrific tragedy in the United Kingdom sends a very personal and deadly message to the Dark Knight, one that will draw Batman out of Gotham to investigate. From the moment he lands in Europe, Batman will face a difficult investigation and unheard of adversaries and find the assistance of a partner once more, all in the hunt for the villain known as Equilibrium. Get your spec alerts out there, people. New villain. <laughs> new villains, new allies, a thrilling overseas adventure begins for the Dark Knight. So that is going to be hitting on the 13th of April, and that is going to be a big seller. This is one that Tom Taylor is a little bit like Donny Cates in that he is a master of hyping his titles. He is a master of making sure you know what's coming out, and he teased an announcement for a few days over this. And see, the second he announced it, I, I kid you not, within an hour, I must have had at least 15 messages from people. It hadn't even been properly solicited, but they went, yep, put that on my pull list, please. I mean, I don't, I don't know that Tom even... You know, master though he might be, uh, even needs to hype this. Whenever you look at the cover, I mean, Andy Kubert's pencils and the art and the colors and the cover are phenomenal. And you're sort of getting that uh, that Batman costume that's a wee bit more collared trench coat than than cape, you know, and cowl. Uh, and he's got the you know he's got the the goggles, uh, you know, on the band around his head and everything. So it is nearly that whatever happened to the Cape Crusader sort of yeah. costume, isn't it? Very steampunky, um, almost Gotham by Gaslighty as well. I would say. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So I wonder is he is he adopting a different costume whenever he's running around London or yeah uh, or what the score is. But this is uh, this is a six issue mini. It is indeed. Yeah, six. Very very mini. nice. So uh, and, that's uh, the thing. I think Tom Taylor he's, he seems to thrive in mini series. I would say because you know you think a deceased tends to be six seven issues. You know even that great friendly neighborhood Spider Man run was only fourteen fifteen issues. So he seems to thrive. The only ongoing I understand that he is on is Seven Secrets, which is, of course, his own creator one. So, but yeah, I, I, I mean, the thing about it is, I, I'm obviously a huge Batman fan, so I'll read anything Batman. But at the same time, you do worry about oversaturation. But then Tom Taylor writes one, you're like, oh, fine, I'll get another mm-hmm, Batman title. Mm-hmm. You've got me. Yeah, definitely. I did. I've seen others. I've sort of been aware of that, you know, sort of going, Jesus, there's a lot of Batman going on at the minute or Batman related, you know, but, you know, Batman, as, as, as someone said, you know, Batman is to DC what California is to USA. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's where, where all of the, the you know, the, the economy is based and, you know, all of the entertainment comes out of, you know, so it's, uh, it could be a, Batman could be a comic company on his own. I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, I mean, speaking of interesting takes on Batman, we've got another one just up next, written by John Ridley. Mm, I mean, that's another one that you know. I was looking at them both, and again, I've had another month of going. I'll maybe maybe trim some stuff this month. Nope, not going to happen. I mean, this is coming off the back of the next Batman Future State, isn't it? It is indeed. Yep. Uh, and this is. Uh... You know, John Ridley, obviously the Academy Award-winning writer of 12 Years a Slave, isn't that right? Uh, Tony Ekins, uh, Travel Foreman, and Mark Morales. And so the Future State book, we've only read, well, I've, I've only read one at the minute. I think I've got the other one sitting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but Future State followed Tim Fox, uh, the, the son of, of Lucius Fox, uh, and the brother of Luke Fox, uh, as the next the next Batman in, in in future state so this looks like it looks like general john ridley's really got his teeth into this and the idea is you know what will what will happen to tim to make him become the next batman you know what's his what's his origin story uh why has he been estranged from lucius fox and his family for so long um apparently it spins out of infinite frontier number one and i guess it'll probably tie in with the you know the more recent uh james tinney and batman you know where you had uh, you have that the Batman grifter uh, Lucius Fox sort of storyline going on. So, uh, yeah, so really, really interesting stuff. What do you make of this? Yeah, looking forward to it. Just four issues as well, so a shorter mini series, but it's going to be oversized, forty pages as opposed to your sort of traditional thirty-two or under. But yeah, I mean, essentially, this is going to go into the origin story for the next Batman. Obviously, in the future state stuff, he's already established as the next Batman, so to speak. There's some wonderful oh. stuff. I don't know if you've reached. Uh, if you've got to read Future State and Nightwing yet. It's next on my list. There's, it's actually on my yeah, list, my next three or four books. Some yeah. good crossover there between some really good relationship stuff between Nightwing and, you know, someone he doesn't recognize as Batman, you know, because he's not Bruce Wayne. Some right. Really so this stuff. is, you know, we don't, I don't know a lot. We don't know a lot really about what the Infinite Frontier uh, the timeline is, but, you know, will our Batman appear in this? Will Bruce Wayne appear as our Batman appear in it or, or what? goes on here that leads into future state i don't know so this is but there's one thing maybe it's a four issue miniseries but there's one thing i overlooked uh maybe you overlooked it too it's digital first digital first but it'll come out uh to because it has their cardstock variant cover so basically digital first just means that it'll come out in a digital platform but then a couple of weeks later it'll come out on um 
on print form. So this will okay. probably debut towards the end of March on, on the likes of Comixology and so forth. But the fact that you've got your uh, variant cover there and your your price point and so forth, this Perfect. will be uh, this will be released in print anyway in April. So the next Batman Second Son. So I had mentioned uh, about a couple of team-up series there as well. So the one that I was talking about with regards to, you know, for the whole family, so to speak, is going to be the Batman and Scooby-Doo Mysteries. So this is written by Ivan Cohen and art and cover by Dario Brazella. So an all-new, all-ages series that teams The Dark Knight with Scooby-Doo and the Sleuths of Mystery, Inc. When Batman discovers his original purple gloves have gone missing, Velma, Shaggy and Scooby-Doo travel back in time to Batman's year one era to solve the case. Will this glove story have a happy ending? And there you go. It's an all-ages title, but it throws you straight into year one. You know, respect for the past. <laughs> Gotta love that. Uh, 12-issue mini? 12-issue mini. So, again, perfect. I mean, I always like all-ages titles. We always talk about this, and we mention the likes of Canto and so forth as perfect ones. It shouldn't just be a title like this for kids, so to speak. All-ages means all-ages will get something out of it. So, you know, again another batman title for the pull list but you know it has to be done uh and then i just wanted to throw up a bit of attention towards the next two titles these are so we were talking there about the next batman second son being a digital first title so these next two are ones that have already had several issues released digitally but they're now being uh, brought into print for the first time so you've got challenge of the super sons which is a, a brand new number one they're going to release this as seven issues and this is written by Peter J. Tomasi, who did amazing work on Batman and Robin with uh, when it was Bruce Wayne, Batman, and Damian Wayne, Robin. He then, of course, did Super Sons uh, after that as well with Jorge Jimenez, who does the cover for this, but the art is actually by Max Rayner. So again, seven issues. The boys are back, picking up where the sensational adventures of Super Sons left off. The sons of Batman and Superman are back in the spotlight and ready to give evil a good spanking. But are Robin and Superboy in over their heads this time? A mysterious woman from beyond time has appeared to the DCU's favourite sons, and her arrival heralds certain doom, that's a hint everyone, of things to come. In fact, it seems she sent the boys on a bogus journey that they've already returned from, huh? What did the boys learn when they were whisked away? Why on earth did they have to save the flies from instant death? Tune in for the first chapter in the most epic odyssey Robin and Superboy have ever been on. So, that's one title that was originally digital going to print. The other one is uh, called Harley Quinn. This is actually going to be released as a trade paperback as opposed to single issue format. So Harley Quinn, Black, White and Red. This was released, as I say, in digital in 17 chapters, so to speak, I believe. So it's going to be 224 pages, uh, $20 book, so around £17, £18. You may be familiar at this point with the likes of Wolverine Black, White and Red or there's the upcoming Superman Red and Blue, there's the upcoming Carnage Black, White and Blood, that kind of thing. I believe this was actually one of the first to do this. It's it's sort of a twist on the old you know, Batman Black and White and stuff like that. It's essentially a case of creators telling short stories and them being all collected, so anthology-wise. But to give you a rundown of the creators who have worked on this, I mean, there's it's, it's a who's who, to be honest with you. You know, you've got Mirko Andolfo, Saladin Ahmed, Tim Seeley, Javier Rodriguez, Riley Rosmos, Sean Murphy, Erica Henderson, uh, Joe Quinones, Danny, Simon Spurrier, Otto Schmidt, Amanda Connor, Jordi Belair, Greg Smallwood, Frank Thierry. Tons and tons of uh, great talent in here. Uh, Paul Dini as well, uh, you know, one of the original creators of Harley. Adam Hughes on art as well. 
And then it's going to have a cover by Jorge Jimenez, who, of course, is doing great work in uh, Tinian's Batman run at the moment. I, I This really appeals to me, and I've read a couple of them. Whether it appeals to you, I don't know. I know you're softening on Harley these days, but I don't know if you're all the way there yet. No, I'm not. I'm not Harley as a Harley. I'm not Harley as a main character, uh, softening just yet. I think she makes a great supporting character, you know, for a, a variety of books. But no, I'm not. Uh, I just, I just don't quite grab the the appeal just yet. Uh, will yeah. this be the one to change that? We will see. <laughs> Um, one that I don't really know an awful lot about because I maybe I'm just old these days, but there's a smash hit Rooster Teeth series called Ruby, R Y B Y, and there's a crossover with Ruby slash Justice League. There's going to be number one of seven, so it's worlds collide as the DC heroes appear in the world of Ruby. I'm probably even pronouncing that wrong. That's how old I am. But uh, <laughs> this is written by Marguerite Bennett, uh, art by Aneki, and cover by Mirko Andolfo, another one of my favorite artists. There again. So the pre-orders are already quite strong in this, so clearly I'm out of the loop, but the DC Universe and the World of Ruby collide in this new miniseries. Discover the Bruce Wayne, Clark Kent and Diana Prince of Remnant as Team Ruby comes face-to-face with new versions of DC's Paragons of Justice. A new Grimm is running rampant around the island of Patch and Ruby and Yang must team up with a young farm boy to stop it. Meanwhile, Blake needs a m- meets a mysterious woman who's appeared on Menagerie, but what is her purpose and why does she act like she hasn't been around modern society? Again, pre-orders are strong on that, so I'm just clearly very old and out of the loop. Let's get back to some classic storytelling. What have you got up next, Keith? <laughs> uh, I guess I'm just super excited about uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson taking over uh, Action Comics and Superman, uh, you know, to picking up where, where Bendis has, has left off. So uh, in April, we've got Action Comics uh, 1030, which... Uh, PKJ is uh, teaming up with uh, Daniel Samper, uh, who's uh, been all over DC over the last uh, the last few years uh, as an artist, and the we've got the start of Warward Rising. Uh, it's a new chapter in Superman's life begins as the challenge of Dark Knight's death metal are causing Clark to feel a change in his powers. Is it possible the Metropolis Marvel could be losing a step? His struggles uh, in taking down the creatures of the Breach would suggest as much. If he's going to continue to protect the people of Earth, he'll have to adapt, especially with threats like Mongol out there waiting to launch their biggest attacks on Earth yet. That's right, those warward battleships are just outside our orbit and they're heading straight for us. Um, and continuing in the... I mean, I, I, I really I really like watching new writers take over Superman and, and what they're going to do with him. You know, and a, and a change in Superman's powers is always sort of interesting. Usually not very long-lasting, uh, but but certainly interesting. So I'm really interested to see what, what, what Philip Kennedy Johnson is going to do here. And in the tradition of, of what DC is doing with a lot of its books, and it's a very, very old school, it's a look back and then a look forward. There's a backup story uh, in this, and the backup story is uh, Midnighter, uh, you know, the bad boy of the authority. So he has to figure out uh, why Andre Trujan is in the past, uh, if he wants to, is, is back in the present, sorry, if he ever wants to get back to future state. Uh, and swap places with the Midnighter of 2021, who he left stranded on Warworld. So there's some crossover here, and as I say, I really like that that idea of the backup story or testing how a character is going to do. And you know, then on the flip side, then we have Superman 30, also by by Philip Kennedy Johnson and his uh, House of L Future State Superman House of L collaborator uh, Scott Le- Scott Godlewski. And that's this is going to be 
Superman and Son, so Superman and John Kent heading into space. I love what Bendis did with with Jonathan Kent, uh, John Kent, uh, and I'm just really uh, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing that. So looks like we've very much got an action comics, an Earthbound Superman, and in Superman we've got a much more cosmically bound Superman alongside his his son. You know, so a friend is in deep trouble and and is uh, is taking Superman into space. So yeah, good stuff. And again. This has a, a backup Tales of Metropolis story, um, and apparently it's the return of Ambush Bug. There you go. <laughs> I'm glad to say that they're going to have two separate narratives because my worry is always when someone new takes over a book that the two titles are going to be completely intertwined every single issue, and you may as well just have it under one banner if that's going to be the case. So I'm glad to see that they're doing very, very different stories. I've always enjoyed the batman and detective comics are two very different stories rather than just part one part two sort of thing the old crossovers interesting but you know not not something that should be done all the time i think so yeah for sure but yeah i mean from there we we move on to sort of a slew of all the 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 ongoing titles you know american vampires coming towards its conclusion a book that i very much enjoy you've got batman continuing with tinian on writing duties jorge jimenez on art and this one's going to have a backup story uh, focusing on Ghostmaker, a new character that uh, Tinian created and brought in. Uh, different artists on that, which is Ricardo Lopez Ortiz. Uh, you're continuing with Batman Black and White, the anthology stuff. So we're up to issue five of that. Again, great talent involved in this one. Interestingly enough, and this might appeal to you, Keith, one of the stories is written by Kieran Gillen and art by Jamie McKelvey in this one. So... There's some, uh, some new talent on there for, for Batman. And you've also got the likes of Jorge Jimenez working on this issue, Mariko Tamaki, and Lee Weeks as well. So some, some good stuff there. The Chip Zdarsky series uh, slash Matthew Rosenberg series is continuing with Batman Urban Legends number two, which is the uh, the Batman anthology series, which continues with tales starring Batman, Red Hood, Grifter, The Outsiders, and Batgirl. And same again, so a, a different amount of writers and artists on this. Zdarsky and Rosenberg aforementioned. You've also got Brandon Thomas and Cecil Castellucci. And then Art Eddie Barrows, Ryan Benjamin, Max Dunbar and Marguerite Savage. So I'm really looking forward to the first one of that hitting. You've got Batman Superman continuing. Batman Catwoman continuing, which I'm really, really enjoying as well. Um... Detective Comics has seen a massive upturn in people signing up for it. I'm convinced this is just off the back of Dan Mora drawing Batman because Dark Detective is a stunning book. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to Detective kicking off there. Once in Future is a stunning book. Once in Future is a stunning book. So yeah, forget about Batman right here, guys. Get on Once in Future if you're not already. Was, <laughs> as if you haven't that, heard uh, us talk about it enough. <laughs> that uh, that cover to Detective Comics 1035 is awesome. Uh, it's a Dan Mora cover. It's introducing a new villain called uh, Mr. Worth, who apparently is uh, an eight-foot-tall stack of muscle and money. Uh, so he'll be a, he'll be a nice... Uh, It'd be a nice foil for both Batman and uh, and Bruce Wayne, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. And then you're continuing here, the Flash. You've got uh, continuing on. You've got a new Harley Quinn series up to number two. Not uh, not sure where I'm at with the the Flash. Where I'm going to be at, I'm still uh, still have to get used to Joshua Williamson leaving the book behind. So uh, we'll see. But that that cover is nice and nice and colourful. Looks interesting. There's a mention of Wally West. A mention Hard of to... the redemption of Wally West. Well, quite. So that would be uh, 
that's the thing there's there's certain reasons that jump off a book like a change of creative team and you're like right time to leave it then they throw up a storyline you're like ah they may have got me there, <laughs> may have got me there. Uh, you've got this joker series reaching number two which looks really really interesting we had mentioned issue one last month series from james tinian and Guillaume march on art so I'm, I'm really curious about that and then it has punchline backup stories as well so another one to, to keep an eye out for You've got Justice League hitting number 60, which is uh, Brian Michael Bendis has taken over Justice League at 59, as mentioned last month. Look at that Nightwing 79 cover. I am looking at it. It uh, looks, looks absolutely fantastic from from Tom Taylor and uh, Bruno Redondo. Um, and the cover is also by Bruno Redondo. Uh, so, yeah, we don't, we don't know what the crack is yet, but this... Uh, Solicitation suggests that Dick Grayson has inherited Alfred's fortune, a puppy, and a whole lot of questions. You know what that sounds like to me? Mm-hmm. Hockey. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? The, yeah. the idea of, of uh, there's just something in there that's that's uh, reminding me a wee bit of or, or, or tweaking me a wee bit about the, of that classic Hawkeye run, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, but yeah, very, very, very much looking forward to this book and very much looking forward to Future State Nightwing, which I'll probably get around to reading this evening. I really like as well in the background of that cover you can just see Gods Among Us obviously Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo together did Injustice, Gods Among Us so <laughs> yes. nice little subtle one there and Who is Heartless so maybe some maybe some little Easter eggs in the background of that cover and you just love that glove hanging out which is clearly uh, Barbara Gordon background mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so we're all really looking forward to that and then just a couple of other wee ones we wanted to bring a little bit of attention to um, love that Superman red and blue cover that main cover, uh, yeah, Nicholas Scott. But yeah, there was one that you wanted to mention that you. Yeah, well, I kind of wanted to, kind of wanted to ask you about it. Uh, Truth and Justice number three by uh, Danny Lower and Ray Anthony Height, and obviously the reason that it's that I've noticed it, uh, where I hadn't noticed it before, maybe is that John Constantine's on the cover there, mm-hmm. Mage Conman, and a few other descriptions not fit to print. But sometimes he tries to be the good guy, it says, and when he tries to stop a teenager from getting in deep with Papa Midnight, he is faced not just with the past as he'd like to remember it, but with exactly what kind of wizard he really is. Can John help, or is he going to dive, uh, drive someone else into the very shadows that he wanted to save them from? So what was the story with the, the first couple of issues of this, Alan? Why did, why did we not notice it before? Is it an anthology? You know, is it, a, it's, it mustn't be a John Constantine series because we would have noticed it. Yeah, I think so. Certainly, with uh, you know the the amount of sadness with that great Cy Spurrier run coming to an end of Hellblazer, it might have been a case of anywhere we can get our fix from. It might have been a case of you know bringing a bit of attention to it. But I remember seeing number two in the previous previous book. But I'm just having to look here at DC Connect number seven. This is the other joy of uh, it being online. But yeah, here's number one here and. You know, it's completely different. So yeah, this is a new anthology series, so it might just be a case of dipping in and out of characters that you like. But for Truth and Justice number one, it was the DC Universe is synonymous with two words, truth and justice. And in the first issue of this new anthology series, Vixen takes center stage. Mary McCabe is many things, superhero, model, activist, but can she add God Killer to the list? Vixen teams up with Dr. Mist and Impala of the Global Guardians to face down an ancient deity that has taken over the body of a scientist, investigating powerful magical effects. Now, issue one is written by Jeffrey Thorne, art by Chris Koss and Jordi Tarragona. If we have a look at number nine, you've got a different writer on it and a different artist. So I think with mm. Truth and Justice, this is this looks like it's going to be 
a one-shot anthology series almost with different creators each time so this is why it might have might have sneaked past but issue three definitely looks really good mm, interesting huh? but uh, yeah i wanted to ask you about that anyway just in case i was i was missing something <laughs> always missing something if you don't have john constantine in your life <laughs> constantine shaped hole um but yeah a couple of other bits and bobs there's some good trades coming out they're collecting john ridley's stuff on batman together in a deluxe hardcover You've got another one of the uh, the death metal trade paperbacks being collected together. Uh, the Authority Book 2. Actually, I just recently got the Authority Book 1 in for the store, which is collecting together all that good stuff. It was collecting Authority 1 to 12, I think. Uh, this one's going to be 13 to 29. But I think we both agree on what the undoubted standout collected issue or collected edition is this month. Oh, uh, yeah, I would say so. I would say so. Now, have you been reading the uh, the singles? Absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, what we're talking about is uh, the, uh, the, the the Alan Burnett and Paul Dini written uh, Batman, The Adventures Continue trade paperback, which uh, this follows, uh, follows I guess, the, the timeline of uh, the animated series, Batman, the, the animated series, uh, which is just one of the single best representations of Batman ever on screen, I would say. Absolutely. Um, so... There there have been eight, seven or eight issues. I think I've read seven. I've got eight in my pile mm-hmm. uh, to read. But Jesus, this has just been standout. Really follows that animation style, that style of writing. Uh, it started off, you know, with an attack on Star Labs and involved Lex Luthor uh, and ended up introducing the uh, the animated series version of the Red Hood, uh, you know, and all of that sort of stuff. So it just has been, it's just been great. Yeah, absolutely great. Yeah, it introduced a few new characters along the way. You had Deathstroke coming into it as well. Just really, just perfectly uh, captures the vibe of the animated show. They they almost feel like lost episodes or something like that because the yeah, the yeah. art is perfect as well. So so yeah, this is going to be another twenty dollar trade, and this is for over two hundred pages. So this is going to be collecting Batman Adventures Continue one to eight. Now to give you some semblance of uh, how much I've enjoyed it is. It was originally only supposed to be six issues, so I don't know if it was a case of because it did well, they extended it or whatever, but do get on it. it is If you've any interest at all in the animated series, as I say, this is almost like finding lost episodes of it, so uh, that's the definite standout for me from the DC uh, Collected Editions. And uh, is, is that the end of that series then? I believe so, for now. Right. Yeah, I've only, okay. I've only seen Solicited as far as eight, so I believe okay. so. Hopefully it'll come back. Hopefully. Well, that was a that was a nice run for sure, it definitely. Was indeed. So, yep, yeah, that's pretty much. Uh, I'm happy to wrap up DC there. What have we got for Marvel this month? Well, there's plenty, plenty going on. Um, so, I guess, I guess we should we should start with. I mean, the cover story uh, this month is uh, the. I guess it's Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman's final issue of Venom with Venom 200. Uh, and it's, you know, as they say, it's the, the end of an era. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to say too much. I don't want to, to give away anything, but, uh, you know, about, about King and Black. Um, but it is the final chapter of the book of Venom by Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman. Uh, the landmark 200th issue starring the most sinister symbiote uh, in the Marvel universe arrives after this. Nothing will be the same. When is it ever? Um, Always capitals as ever. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we'll not go. We'll not go too much further into it, you know, because it, it we're we're talking about the the final chapter or the end of of King and Black. 
um, and this this you know represents the first chapter of the rest of uh, the rest of Venom's life. But it is Donny Cates, it is Ryan Stegman, uh, cover by Ryan Stegman, variant cover by Jock, Virgin variant cover by Jock, variant covered by Simone Bianchi, by uh, Rob Liefeld, a Deadpool 30th anniversary, of course. Another by Stegman, J. Scott Campbell, Mark Bagley, Art Adams, Patrick Gleason, Stephanie Hans, uh, Humberto Ramos, Nick Klein, uh, Mr. Garson, no idea, and uh, Jeffrey Egg. So, uh, yeah. yeah uh, it's, a, it's a big bad boy as well. 96 pages. going to be a $10 book as well. Yeah, hundred. I mean, 100%. That's So, I guess... You, you listened to the podcast, didn't you? The... Uh, the uh, Stegman, Stegman and his amazing friends, yeah, yeah, they had Stegman on, and then they they had Donny Cates on as well, and they were talking a lot about it. And I think this announcement just caught 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 a lot of people off guard. I think it was a case of Donny Cates has spoken before about having multi year plans for the character and things like that. And but on the podcast, the way he was talking about it, he was so surprised that anybody was annoyed. He was sort of like, "Look, I've written more issues of Venom than anybody else in history." But I think it's just a case of everybody's just loved what he's done with the character. So I think it's a case of, you know, keep going. You know, we have, mm-hmm. we have no problem with that. But there's also plenty of speculation that they might go on to a different title, that it might just not be called Venom or it might follow yeah. Dylan Brock or something like that. But as you say, it's hard to look into this too much at the moment when you've still got two issues of Keenan Black to come because, you know, it's always the problem with previews. Sometimes you can have things spoiled for you inadvertently. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I'm certainly trying not to not to do that. But uh, how many issues then has he has? Uh, so has Venom's kids? up to 32 now. So I suppose if you have those 32, plus you work in the annuals, plus if you work in Absolute Carnage, which was a Venom event, plus Keenan Black, I'd say 50 plus mm-hmm, there thereabouts. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's been a very long run, and he's he's clearly shown his versatility with how great Thor's been, for example. But yeah, I mean, this this is. I, I'll be really curious to see who takes over Venom, or if it's a reinterpretation of the character or what. But mm-hmm. you know, one thing I do know is this will be a big seller in the store. And just so you know, guys, that that list of variant cover artists that the Keith read out, I think about ninety percent of those are all free to order. So just let us know which cover interests you the most, and we'll we'll make sure to get it in for you. I personally will be going for only the two. Which two? I will be going for the Jock cover because I just love that image that Jock did. And I'm a big sucker for a Stephanie Hans cover because mm. artists <laughs> have died. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's hard to look past the Mark Bagley cover either. Yeah. And and that Mr. Garson cover, whoever, whoever that is. Stop it, Keith. an interesting Stop one it. too. You're not a variant guy. Stop it. Oh, no, no. No, no, not <laughs> at all. Not at all. Um, though that, that variant cover you got me for uh, the Union number two. Last week was uh, was was particularly delicious. You do know who um, you do know who drew that as well, don't you? Oh no, I didn't even. John McCray. Ah, it was John <laughs> McCray, of course it was. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, moving on, then I think we have what is maybe the last of weirdly the last of our King and Black tie-ins, mm-hmm. um, and that's Avengers forty-five. Now, the reason I say it's weird is because. In their own book, the Avengers are going through the Enter the Phoenix uh, story arc, mm-hmm. which is effectively a big knockdown, knockdown, drag out fight for who will who will be the host for the Phoenix. So, I think Avengers. I mean, Jason Aaron is is writing Avengers, so he's a he's a top notch writer, you know. He, but I think Avengers suffers a wee bit from what Justice League is suffering from. We all feel that that these books, the Avengers and the Justice League should be the center of their various universes. Yeah. 
and they're just not. They're just whatever is happening. They're just, I mean, it, they're just not. So this is this I think is the first King and Black tie-in of Avengers, and I'm interested in it because Blade is front and center. Blade the Vampire Hunter is front and center um, within. Uh, King and Black, Blade has gone off in search, I think, of the Vampire Nation in order to help uh, in order to help against Null. Uh, and Namor is front and center there. You've got Blade, and then you've got Dracula standing at one shoulder, and you've got, uh, you've got Namor standing at the other shoulder. So it says the world's most epic events explodes in the page of Avengers. The Vampire Hunter Blade has been at the forefront of the fight against the Dark Symbiote God. Now he must pay the dark price that will change his world forever. So, I mean, obviously he's made a deal with potentially made a deal with Dracula uh, and what that'll cost him. So I'm really interested in this issue. I mean, I'm collecting Avengers. Enter the Phoenix is entertaining, but it feels to me like if one book should be crossing into King and Black right now, it should be the Avengers Mm -hmm. as opposed to a bunch of maybe the other ones that are. Uh, So it's just, it's a wee bit, do you know what I mean? I think, you know what I think it's something to do with some of the release scheduling as well. You know, obviously the way it was all COVID affected and so forth, because it was something else Donnie chatted about on that podcast was that, you know, he, the reason Thor is in a certain place in his book right now, but is also in Keenan Black number three is because of just delays. Uh, he had actually tried to set it up that the two of those would cross over, but it just wasn't effective so i wonder if it's that kind of thing you know it's the the release schedule has been up the wall for the last six to nine months and tying together what i think is 60 plus issues into keenan black is a mammoth task mm, so maybe yeah, they've just yeah you know tailored the story a wee bit and you know slipped that in in the end you know yeah i mean okay well move, moving on i guess from from avengers and, and king and black is is probably the book that i have been anticipating most certainly in this in, in april but this has been one that was sort of a wee bit delayed because of covid yeah. uh, we saw it advertised quite some time ago and that's the marvel's number one by uh, kurt busek and uh Yildere sinar uh covered by alex ross um so we know uh kurt busek i don't he doesn't need any he doesn't need any introduction really uh <laughs> you know uh so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna make one uh Yildare Sinar uh, was on X-Men, Legion of Superheroes, Iron Man. But uh, the the Marvel's writer is back with the biggest, wildest, and most sprawling series ever to hit the Marvel Universe, telling stories that span decades and range from cosmic adventures to intense human drama, from the street level to the cosmic, starring literally anyone from Marvel's uh, very first heroes to the superstars of tomorrow. This first issue includes an invasion from orbit, a picnic in Prospect Park, superhero sightseeing in Manhattan, the all-winner squad in 1947, Reed Richards during his time in military intelligence, cosmic beings beyond space and time, and that's only for starters, featuring Captain America, Spider-Man, the Punisher, the Human Torch, Storm, the Black Cat, the Golden Edge Vision, Arrow, Iron Man and Thor, and introducing two brand new characters. Uh, this is the opening act of a thriller that will take us across the Marvel Universe and beyond. Plus, who or what is Kashum? It all starts here and it goes everywhere. So, I mean, what about that? I find it really interesting, just as a side note, that uh, it says, beautifully drawn by Yildare Sinar, and it goes brackets, capital letters, X-Men, small letters, italics, Legion of Superheroes, Capital letters, Iron Man. It's almost like they don't want to say, like, he did some DC work, but 
We'll, we'll not mention that. We'll, well mention they, I mean, they always, they, I think they always capitalize, you I'm know, sure so they capitalize yeah. Marvel stuff. Yeah, because they've, they've done the same with Kurt, um, capitalized Marvels and, and small italicized Astro City, <laughs> you know, so. But yeah, but I seem to remember this being solicited ages ago and yeah, getting really was. excited about it because it, it was, was, as a store, it was a nightmare because we had Marvel, Marvels, Marvel's X, had all these titles with really yeah. similar sounding names, so. But no, yeah, this looks great. And then you've got those beautifully, beautiful covers by Alex Ross, of course, original, you know, Marvel's artist. So yeah, I think that'll be a really popular one. I mean, that uh, it does sound really class. And as you say, it's it almost sounds like what the Avengers book should be, as you were saying. You know, if there was one book that brings everybody together, that should be the centerpiece. Mm. And you you know you look at that cast of as you say, Captain America, Spider Man, Punisher, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that should be a great, great book for someone who just wants a really good story told with all these classic characters. I I think it's right up your street, actually. Oh, definitely. Uh, I oh, really I'll do. That. I'll be on that. Um, I think that's a mini, isn't it? I think so. I think when they first announced it, it, it doesn't clarify it in the Mar- Marvel previews book this month, but I think when it was first announced, it was either five or six. I'm nearly sure it was. So. Yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, really, really looking forward, really looking forward to that uh, for sure. And that was, as you say, that was solicited about the time uh, of Marvel's 80th anniversary, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when uh, Invaders was coming out and whatnot. And uh, so, yeah, this, but this was the one that really stood out for me from that. So, uh, so it was great. But another one that just jumped out at me for uh, for obvious reasons is the Mighty Valkyries number one of five by Jason Aaron and Torin Gronbeck, uh, both on writing. Uh, Matea Delius on art and cover, uh, with her variant cover by Russell Dodderman, a headshot cover by Todd Newick, um, and a, there's a Mamet Arjurar cover and a Scotty Young cover. So this is the Mighty Valkyries references, uh, obviously, Jane Foster, the uh, the current Valkyrie, but there's a, a Valkyries, a King and Black uh, Valkyrie series that's currently ongoing, which the first issue was fantastic as Jane escorts the uh the soul of the sentry to the afterlife um you know as is as is her role as the as the valkyrie the last valkyrie um but during that during that journey she discovers another individual another valkyrie uh, and that valkyrie is uh, it's a, f- a familiar face to us uh, to fans of the marvel cinematic universe because that's the tessa thompson valkyrie uh, of uh of the mcu so you know uh, i guess you know, Jane isn't the last of the Valkyries anymore. So with this, Jane Foster gets a fresh start and allies both new and old. Jane Foster believed she was the only Valkyrie left, uh, but the fight against Null, the King in Black, proved her wrong. Now the Valkyries must redefine their roles in a changing world, and Asgard's not going to make it easy. When Loki comes to Jane with rumours of a beast stalking the souls of Midgard, she leaps into action, but she's not the only one uh, after the strange wolves hide. She'll need backup. She'll need backup. But her ancient co-worker has other priorities. Years ago, the warrior made a promise to a woman she loved, and now it's time to follow through. Get the real story behind Marvel Universe's newest star, and don't miss the start of an all-new epic adventure from the powerhouse, Jason Aaron, Torin Gornbreich, and uh, Matea Delia. So, I mean, there was the there was the the Valkyrie, Jane Foster Valkyrie ongoing series, which, as you knew, I was a huge fan of, which finished, you know, about the start of about the end start of COVID. It was sort of stopped. It was originally. Jason Aaron and Al Ewing uh, introduced the breakout character of uh, of last year, who was Mister Horse, uh, the uh, the Yorkshire <laughs> the Yorkshire steed uh, of Jane Foster. So we had a we had a small delay between uh, that and the King in Black 
uh, Valkyrie series, which was also by Jason Aaron and Torin Gronbeg. And now we have this, another five-issue miniseries. So it's almost like nearly a, sort of part of the ongoing plan, you know? You can nearly take this as, as, as another nine issues of the ongoing series, which I'm more than happy to do, you know? So that's a five-issue mini uh the mighty Valkyries, number one of five, and oh, I love that! I love those characters. I absolutely love them. Um, you you haven't really, despite uh, being a big fan of Jason Aaron's Thor, you haven't really dipped your toe in, have you? No, not at all. I mean, I'm still working my way through Jason Aaron's Thor. I recently sort of indulged in a lot of the single issues, and obviously that'll lead to Jane Foster taking over as Thor outright, and then the uh, everything that'll follow from there. But my sort of limited interaction with the character I do find interesting. I've just recently read Return of the Valkyries, which was a pretty pretty good uh, yeah. King of Black tie yeah. I thought. So, uh, yeah, that yeah. was the name of the King and Black tie and It was lost on me there, what it was actually called. <laughs> uh, Return of the Valkyries, but there you are. Um, yeah. Um, and I'm sure another one that is one that you're very much looking forward to, A, as an X-Men fan, and B, as a Hellblazer fan, giving the the creative talent involved, as I see, Cy Spurrier is going to be writing a new one called Way of X. Is yeah. It I mean, pager? it is. And this this was announced about the same time as his work on Black Knight. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like it's almost like DC sort of made the mess they made with him. And uh, he went, right, I'm heading back over to Marvel here then. You know, so and, uh, and there was a bunch of books announced. So I'm. I'm really happy to see Cy uh, Spurrier on on anything really after that uh, after that John Constantine run, but this looks particularly interesting. Uh, art is by Bob Quinn, uh, who was a, a Captain America artist, but this is uh, I guess a Nightcrawler vehicle. Uh, mutant Kane has built a new Eden, but there are serpents in the garden. Some mutants struggle to fit in. Some mutants turn to violence and death, and the children whisper of the patchwork man singing in their hearts their hearts only one mutant senses the looming shadows snared by questions of death law and love only nightcrawler can fight for the soul of krakoa only he and the curious new crew he assembles can help mutants defeat their inner darkness and find a new way to live the way of x so this is kind of interesting um you know it's it's an unmissable entry into the bold new reign of x by size Pereira, as i say uh i think he was in for marvel was an x-men legacy isn't that right uh, back in the yeah, day, yeah. Um, but you know, Nightcrawler is uh, you know was a, an adorned Catholic, you know, an anointed Catholic priest, um, you know, previously, and he maintains uh, you know a religious, a spiritual side. He's certainly the most spiritual of the of the the core X family. Um, so this is this seems to tie into that. It was you know back at the start of uh, of, of Powers and House. And the start of the X Men book, he was he was musing on the idea of religion and and mutants and and what mutant religion looks like uh, and that. So this is a further exploration of this. Um, it's kind of hard to tell who the other uh, the other characters are in it or in the book. Professor X, Magneto, uh, Doctor Nemesis potentially, um, Pixie, I think. Um, but yeah, it could be an interesting cast. I'm a big fan of anything that Doctor Nemesis is in. Um, got a cover by Giuseppe Camoncoli, uh, which will be nice. Um, so yeah, Way of X, really, uh, really interested in that. Uh, what do you reckon on that, Alan? I mean, there's a there's a fair glut of uh, of uh, X Men books now. I'm not struggling with them, but uh, I know uh, I know some folks are. 
Yeah, I mean, even at this point, to be honest, I'm still waiting on the X of Swords omnibus to to come my way. It's due out in the next uh, couple of weeks, I believe. I have a few pre-ordered, and that'll be my sort of segue back into the X-Men. I sort of fell off some of it just because it was just keeping up with it, I thought was relatively difficult. But again, that's, I suppose it's all to do with your fandom. You know, I, I have no trouble keeping up with eight Batman books a month, for example. But mm, I suppose yeah, sometimes just do with your fandom, you know, but... No, this this looks interesting and similar to you. It's it's fo- it's the old following creators thing where, uh, you know, anything Spurrier writes, I would definitely get on board with. So, yeah, I can get on board with that. Uh, so here's a little bit of '90s nostalgia for you there as yeah, well. Yeah, there absolutely is. Um, we've got uh, a one shot uh, called Dark Hawk, Heart of the Hawk, number one. Uh, Danny Fingeroth, Dan Abnett, and Kyle Higgins on writing, and Mike Manley and many more on art. The cover by Inchip Lee. Um, so if you're not familiar with, with Darkhawk, Darkhawk was was definitely a 90s-tastic Marvel character, uh, originally created by Tom DeFalco and uh, Mike Manley, who is uh, obviously the artist, the, the noted artist on this on this one-shot. Originally appeared in his own book, Darkhawk Number 1, and then a bunch of limited series and multi-title events. And his his power set is based on a link between uh, his, his human uh, alter ego, uh, Chris Powell, and an android from another dimension known as Null Space. Um, and he has all sorts of powers, energy blasts and energy shields and teleportation and star creation and faster than light flight and this claw cable. So, I mean, he was a street level character and then he became a like nearly a cosmic level character. Um, so, yeah, it was it was very, very, you know, he had this amulet that was this, you know, this this uh, dark crystal um, that he that he wore around his neck and whenever he. He activated it. He swapped, swapped bodies with this android, and his mind was in the android, you know, sort of thing. While his body floated in null space. But this celebrates the 30th anniversary of the 90s hottest hero, with three spectacular stories: an untold story of Darkhawk's early days by creators Danny Fingeroth and Mike Manley. Um, then explore the winged hero's cosmic years by Dan Abnett and Andrea Devito, and finally find out what the future holds by. Darkhawk by Kyle Higgins and more so yeah worth a mention really uh, you know a real wee a nice wee oddity you know nice to see uh, a character from from back sort of in the time that I was really getting getting interested in comics and, and started collecting you know Night, Darkhawk ran with the new warriors and the secret defenders and a whole lot of different uh, 90s uh, teams you know so so yeah really really interested in this as well do you think that could open the door for a potential series just where they're obviously saying you know what the future holds for dark Hawk by kyle higgins because he seems to be doing a, a, a few e titles at marvel at the moment yeah i mean i'd like to see dark hawk reinvigorated the place the place for him to be the obvious place for him to be would be guardians of the galaxy um which uh you know al, al ewing currently is is overseeing and uh they actually have a wee bit of a, a wee bit of a relaunch, a wee bit of a soft reboot in April as well. Yeah, number thirteen's kicking off, so it's going to be a really good jumping on point for people. This is, I suppose, you would look at this as the start of the third arc of Al Ewing's run on the title. Uh, so Al Ewing on writing, you've got Juan Fregrary on art, covered by Brett Booth. Uh, so yeah, new age of space starts here. They were soldiers, misfits, mercenaries, thieves, and a family. They were heroes, but times have changed. The galaxy no longer needs heroes. It needs superheroes. Now when the call goes forth, whether it's from a stranded team of planetary explorers or Emperor Hulkling and his Kree-Skrull alliance, the Guardians of the Galaxy answer. 
The new Age of Space brings a new artist, new headquarters, new costumes, new teammates, and an all-new enemy you'll have to see to believe. Get on board, True Believer. It's going to be the ride of your life. So a 40-pager there for number 13. Uh, as stated, a good jumping-on point for people. You know, team-wise there, you seem to have Emperor Hulkling. You've got Groot. You've got Star-Lord. You've got Gamora. Nova in the center. And then you're going to have to help me out with who that is top right. That's... Uh... That's um, um, Billy. That's uh, Hulkling's Hulkling's uh, consort, uh, d- uh, magician. Uh, what do you call him? Um, what is his? What is? I can't. I can't remember what his what his code name is. Uh, it'll come back to me. But he's a. Uh, is it Wiccan? It is Wiccan. Yes, there you are. Uh, so he recently. They both recently appeared, sort of in Empire, mm-hmm. uh, and they had they had got married uh, and so forth. And uh, so he's now the he's now the, cons- the consort of the Empire. Um, uh, but yeah, Wiccan. See, that uh, was a, that was a bit of knowledge by association there on my part because there's a Keenan Black tie-in called Keenan Black, Hulkling and Wiccan. So, that's... well, you're exactly you're exactly right. I just my my head just went there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this Guardians of the Galaxy under Al Ewing has been fantastic. The past couple of issues uh, focusing on Star Lord and where Star Lord has been mm-hmm. uh, since the start of the series, really. Um, I guess he fell fighting the fight, fighting the Greek gods. Uh, he was he was apparently killed, but uh, it turns out not so much. And Star Lord has now discovered, I guess, his the true source of his power and the power of his element gone and and all of that sort of stuff after after many many years and what seems to be a, a cosmic hippie commune. Um, so he's it's it's really interesting stuff. Al Ewing's just doing great work on this uh, as he's as he is doing on Immortal Hulk. Yep. So, yeah, so that is Guardians Galaxy. So, yeah, just a really good jumping on point for anybody who wants to, to get on that. You've got a couple of series continuing. You've got Alien number two will be out. So, number one launches in March. That's aforementioned Phil Kennedy Johnson from uh, Superman. Salvador LaRocca on art. Looking forward to that. You've got another Ultraman title there hitting number two, which is Kyle Higgins still writing on that called The Trials of Ultraman. But then you've got, for me, definitely the standout Marvel one this month. And that is because our good friend Zdarsky is involved again. So we've got one coming in April called Spider-Man Spider Shadow. This is going to be a four-issue miniseries uh, written by Chip Zdarsky and art by Pasquale Ferry. And then it's got a cover by Phil Noto. And to introduce this one, I'm just going to pull up my Chip Zdarsky newsletter that just arrived today. And he's always really good at, you know, hyping up his titles in a fun way. So he was uh, talking about Spider's Shadow. So he said, this is a new miniseries from myself, Pascal Ferry and Matt Hollingsworth. We're reinventing the What If brand with this one, giving readers more fleshed out stories of alternate realities. As you can see by the stunning Phil Noto cover above, this series is about the earth suffocating oil industry. No, it is not. It is about the symbiote. Uh, so what if Peter Parker became Venom? So four issues. Peter Parker once put on an alien suit that nearly destroyed his life, but what if he had never taken it off? Ignoring every warning, Spidey embraces the dark symbiote. Haunted by terrible nightmares and exhausted by an endless barrage of bad guys, Peter can't seem to catch a break these days. So when the Hobgoblin attacks, he finds a hero at the end of his rope, and vulnerable to new dark impulses. Spider-Man is about to change his rules, but is it truly Peter who is in charge? Creative powerhouses Chip Zdarsky, Pasquale Ferry, Matt Hollingsworth bring you a terrifying tale of a Peter Parker possessed and on the edge. This mm, just sounds fantastic. And after the absolute masterpiece of a Spider-Man life story, you put Zdarsky on a Spidey book, 
uh, you have my money. <laughs> Absolutely, I think it would be worth uh, it would be worth reading the saga of the alien costume before this, just mm-hmm. to you know to look at the point at which it diverges. Uh, you know, obviously, in 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 known history, Spider, you know, Peter became aware that the the costume was was feeding on him and was it was a, a parasite as he thought at the time, and uh, and ended up you know going to Reed Richards to try and get it off, and then and then shedding it in the uh, in the, the bell tower of uh, of that church where it, where where Eddie Eddie Brock was getting ready to blow his own head off um, after everything that had gone on in his life, but uh, obviously this. This takes a different turn here, so uh, yeah, really interested in this one. This is I, I absolutely agree with you. I'll be jumping on this. And Pasquale Ferry is a she's a, a well-known uh, Marvel uh, penciler, so uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what that looks like. I mean, I'll miss I'll miss Mark Bagley, uh, who was on Life Story, but uh, but yeah, absolutely phenomenal. Um, and I'm just gonna shall we shall we just stay put in uh, in, in Spidey Land then? Well, also definitely finding something where you can still get your little hit of Mark Bagley. Absolutely. <laughs> now and again. Uh, so, yeah, I think, I mean, coming out the back of uh, of Last Remains, uh, which has been a fantastic uh, Spidey arc, uh, we're nipping into Spidey 63 and 64 for what looks like some real, a real return to classic Spidey mythology because... We've got the return of uh, Tombstone and Robbie Robertson, uh, and those guys have been Robbie Robertson, formerly the publisher of the Daily Bugle. Tombstone uh, was a was a I guess he was a fairly main character through this, the seventies and the eighties. He was a gangster uh, in uh, in New York, and he had uh, he was invincible, you know. He was and he was, but he and Robbie Robertson have a Robbie Robbie Robertson have got a, a shared history uh, and that. So I'm really looking forward to that, and then. In '64, we seem to be going back to the uh, the story of the tablet and uh, that that was, you know, and the kingpin and stuff that we were we were going on earlier on. And uh, what did you call that? We uh, what did you call the wee creature? Uh, Magog mm-hmm. was it? Magog, yeah. Uh, so uh, the, the, and and then his origin story. So both of these stories really hark back to some real classic sort of mid late '70s uh, Spider-Man stuff. So. Nick Spencer looks like he continues to do it. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to to getting out the back of Last Remains and into into Spider Man 63 and 64 in April. It's always nice to see Kingpin uh, actually turn up in Spider Man because I think everybody just assumes these days that he is a, a Daredevil villain. You know, when in fact he's a villain of the entire Marvel universe. But well, he is. Yes, you know, absolutely. Kick, uh, kick things off in Amazing Spidey. So it's good to see him actually. You know, tussling with Spidey here. And uh, that that tablet uh, that you see in the front cover, uh, I cannot remember the uh, the name of it, uh, but uh, the tablet of time, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that was part of 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 Kingpin's origin, and you see him on the front cover there, drawn by Mark Bagley, in his his standard Kingpin standard suit with his with his jewel topped cane, you know, as he was represented at that time. So it really it really harks back for me. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, as you know, as usual, Spider Man, Amazing Spider Man has just been right up there with regard to, you know, my my picks or my honourable mentions and uh, and reviews for for months and months now. It never never really leaves the leaves the top tier, you know. And then another one you wanted to uh, shed a little light on. I'm sorry, this comes with the worst, most 
the worst pun I've ever seen. This is so cacan that it's unreal. Talk about forcing it in there. <laughs> Which is exactly why I wanted to highlight it, strangely. <laughs> I'll leave so, you I'll leave you to bask in its glory then. So I'm really enjoying uh, Wolverine uh, by Benjamin Percy, Scott Eaton at the minute. Um, and what I'm really enjoying is this idea of Wolverine you know, taking the fight to the vampire nation in a quest to stop Dracula from using his mutant healing factor to to make mutants or to make vampires, uh, I guess, be able to come out during the day. And in a previous issue, they've created these blood clocks, which they, you know, they attach to their chest. They're full of Wolverine's blood. And, you know, until the blood is processed by their bodies, they're able to go out during the day and they, they heal from sunlight burns and all of that sort of stuff. So, so I guess it's it's really that that I'm enjoying, you know, that Wolverine versus the versus the the Vampire Nation, and I mean, it, geez, it'd be a good excuse to get to get Wolverine and Blade back to back for the first time in quite some time. Um, so there's going to be sacrifices and moral compromises that must be made before humans and mutants see the dawn. But what really what really appealed to me and didn't appeal to Alan was the the byline for this uh, Wolverine Eleven snicterview with a vampire <laughs> it's terrible come on benjamin you're so much better than that i mean i got a feeling this might be previews rather than benjamin percy <laughs> i no, i'm throwing all the blame at his door i'm afraid all right and i mean i mentioned earlier on that we would talk a wee bit about about some of the ongoings uh and i mean the uh all of the the x series alongside wolverine excalibur marauders uh, Cable, X Force 19, New Mutant, X Force New Mutants, you know, a lot of those books. Immortal Hulk uh, in April is spinning towards its apparent conclusion in 50, and things seem to be getting really bad for the, really bad for the Hulk. Um, yeah, it's a wonderful cover, that one. Oh, it really is. I mean, it mentions uh, Hulk, the weakest there is. Um, the new Fantastic Four sort of run since the reboot in 25 has been brilliant, and I see. Reed and uh, and Ben are finally going through the Forever Gate to do a wee bit of exploring. We've got the fiery finale of the Phoenix into the Phoenix in Avengers forty four. Um, you know, so there's a lot. Of, I mean, and I'm loving Iron Man. Christopher Cantwell's Iron Man is just phenomenal. I mean, and you're not an Iron Man fan, but you know, and I don't know if you're reading this particular book, but it's really, really enjoyable. It's really stripped back. Um, but I think the standout, you know, in the in the ongoings is. Thor number 14, I think, is the finale of Prey, which has been an unbelievable arc by Donny Cates and Nick Klein. I mean, it has just been great at, at, about, you know, Don Blake and the return of, of Don Blake in a very, very dark way. Um, so we're, we're seeing here the all-father Thor breaking out of his prison. Donald Blake has amassed more power than the King of Asgard can know. One thing is certain, when the hammer comes down, only one man will remain standing. Big action, big stakes are for are there for uh, Donny Cates and Nick Klein's special. Uh, but you've never seen them like this before. This is the issue that you can't miss. And I would say you can't. I would say it's well worth you know picking up the last five or six issues of this book if you haven't been on it and uh, in time for this conclusion because this has been a great story. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been so ridiculously dark thus far, but in the best possible way. You know, it's... I, I've loved this Thor run ever since, you know, Donny Kids took over. There was lots of really good stuff at the start, but it, it seems to have went up another level since Donald Blake came into it. I, The last issue, I, I don't know if you've read number 11 yet. 
I haven't yet. Uh, I don't think. Well, that's fine. This is a previews podcast, not a reviews podcast. <laughs> hey. It was an excellent issue. Uh, once again, there was uh, the last issue you would have read then ended with uh, Donald Blake meeting up with Jane Foster on Earth to, you know, catch up with her, shall we say? So yes. it's uh, yeah, where where it goes from there is is thoroughly brilliant. So it is. So yeah, Love and Thor. If you're not on the singles have unfortunately fallen to the whole, you know, spec market, that kind of thing. But first six issues are easily available on trade. Very easy to get just a brilliantly, brilliantly told story so far. Um, as has Daredevil been. Again, we've obviously mentioned that nearly every reviews episode as well. So you're up to number 29 now with Sadarsky still on writing and Marco Cicchetto on art. I uh, will not spoil it for you just in case you're behind what the, the big reveal in 25 was. So, yeah, and then you've got Star Wars Corner, you know, plenty of titles going on there. The Star Wars stuff seems to be getting more and more popular at the moment. Maybe the Mandalorians help them with that. Maybe just the fact that the titles have been really good, you know, stuff yeah. Char- Charles Soule's been writing, Greg Pak's been writing, so... Those have been, those have been phenomenal books. I wouldn't have had a terrible interest in Star Wars and comic books before, but the Star Wars book and the Darth Vader book certainly are, are great, wasn't as as taken with the high republic book maybe as i thought i would be but i'll give it another few issues it's uh it's not lost on me just yet but no absolutely uh the star wars stuff is is great um then we're i guess we're into the uh we're into the collected editions and the and the hardbacks and the the trades yeah i mean there was one i really wanted to put a focus out on because this is something i'll be picking up myself and you know, I've really got into omnibuses and collected editions and so forth recently. And we're actually doing a little bit of remodeling in the store right now to expand that section. But this one really stood out to me. So this is Marvel August 1961 Omnibus. So you've got a who's who of Marvel Legends here. So written by Stan Lee, penciled by Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, Don Hex, Dan Goldberg, Al Hartley, Paul Reinman, Jack Keller, Dick Ayers, Bob Forgione, Vince Coletta and more. So... In August 1961, the Fantastic Four hit newsstand, heralding a new take on superhero stories and the birth of the Silver Age Marvel Universe. But Marvel Comics had been around for years before that, publishing Western, romance, comedy, monster and science fiction titles. And in August 1961, Fantastic Four was just one of over a dozen very different Marvel books. Now, 60 years later, experience the excitement of being a comic book fan in that momentous month with a complete collection of every issue that shared the shelves with Fantastic Four number one. Many before have never been reprinted. This collects journey into mystery, Kathy, life with Millie, Patsy Walker, amazing adventures, Fantastic Four, Kid Colt, Outlaw, Linda Carter, student nurse, Millie the model, strange tales, tales of suspense, tales to astonish, Gunsmoke Western, love romances, teenage romance, amazing adult fantasy, uh, Patsy and Hetty, and Rawhide Kid. So this is essentially, you know, it it. it just taking a very important month in comic books and just showing you everything that was around at that time it's almost like a time capsule and that kind of stuff just really really appeals to me so i'm definitely going to be picking that up unsurprisingly it's a cover by jack kirby of course for fantastic four mm-hmm, on there mm-hmm. as you might expect but some of those stories have probably aged badly and sound a little silly in places but i just love sort of time capsule type stuff like that so I'll definitely be picking that up. Uh, it's quite funny because, uh, you know, Patsy Walker there. Um, it's a very, Patsy Walker will be a very different sort of a story, but uh, the Patsy Walker we know now recently f- featured in the Jessica Jones TV series. 
um, and her alter ego uh, is in Christopher Cantwell's Iron Man, uh, Hellcat. Uh, she eventually became an Avenger. Um, I can't remember quite what became of uh, of Millie the model, um, though if I recall, she did recently she did recently uh, feature in in, in, in something uh, Marvel related. But there you are. Um, That'll be an interesting one. There's a. I just noticed there. There's another lovely, uh, another lovely collection uh, by uh, Peter David, Scott Lobdell, Fabian de Cisa, which was just. It was just a, a fantastic run on X Factor. Um, it is a, a pre-solicit, but uh, Peter David's first transformative X Factor run in one volume. Uh, Havoc, Polaris, Quicksilver, Multiple Man, Wolfsbane and Strong Guy are the all new, all different X-Factor sanctioned by the US government to protect humans from mutants and vice versa. They take on threats including Mr. Sinister and his nasty boys, the Mutant Liberation Fault Front and the Incredible Hulk. But their most challenging encounter is uh, on the couch of superhero psychiatrist Doc Samson. Uh, whether it's battling the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants or the shadow, in the shadows of Genosa or clashing with X-Force during the Executioner's Song Saga, this unlikely band of heroes has team chemistry like nothing you'll ever see and a unique style of humour that makes this series a true classic. It collects X-Factor 55 from 1986, uh, number 70, number uh, 92, and then Incredible Hulk, and then on to uh, later on, you know. So it's it's just, I've got a lot of the, the singles of that, and it's just, it's just a fantastic run. I I might consider picking up that hardcover. I have to say, yeah, it's just um, it's hard to um, turn away from some of those cl- hardcover collections. They're just beautifully put together, and and as you say, I mean, if you ever wanted to read through it again, it's better being able to pick up one volume off the shelf than you know go back and pull out all your single issues and all the rest. So, so yeah, that's pretty much the Marvel book. A few other uh, graphics at the back, just maybe worth. You know, a, a quick mention, the next volume of Amazing Spider-Man's in there. Uh, volume 12, Kith and Kindred. You've got Champions in there. You've got Marvel Treasury Edition and a few other bits and pieces. So, yeah, plenty of good stuff in the Marvel book this month as ever. So that is going to move us on then to the indie book. And we're going to uh, race through this in terms of publisher first so the indie book will always cover all of the indie uh, publishers so you've got your image comics your dark horse your boom your dynamite awa comics etc etc so we've just went through and picked out certainly what we think are the titles to to watch out for for me again this would have been in my top five this month uh we're going to kick off with image comics and this is a new title called a gagger this is a brand new number one and it's from that doomsday clock team i'd mentioned in the intro jeff johns on writing duties and Gary Frank on art and cover. So hopefully they've already got about 10 issues of this done so that there's not going to be <laughs> any sort of delays. But jokes aside, I mean, this is this is creator-owned, so this is them probably sticking their reputations even more than they already did with, with Doomsday Clock. So industry heavyweights Jeff Johns and Gary Frank reteam for what will be one of the most anticipated new series of 2021 in the forthcoming Gagger. This uh, new series will take local comic shops by storm in April. So this is out April 7th. Who are the scavengers of a dying Earth? Geiger is set in the years since a nuclear war ravaged the planet. Desperate outlaws battle for survival in a world of radioactive chaos. Out past the poison wasteland lives a man even the nightcrawlers and organ people fear. Some name him Joe Glue. Others call him the Meltdown Man. But his name is Geiger. So yeah, this is the very epitome of following creative teams. You know, Doomsday Clock, as 
terrible release scheduling aside was something i very very much enjoyed so and these guys have always worked together well they did the uh the batman earth one volumes together as well so definitely one to look out for there but as much as that's my most anticipated image title i don't think that's case most anticipated image title oh i gotta say i'm really looking forward to to geiger uh i mean uh have misgivings about what happened with doomsday clock but there's no denying that that, that that'll be a fantastic team and as you say maybe with with it being creator owned they'll, they'll they'll get it out without too much delay so i'm really looking forward to that but not as much as you surmise as i am looking forward to the old guard tales through time number one of six if you are a regular listener to the podcast you will know of our and my love for uh, the old guard um the you know through the, the the original series which we we did a deep dive on uh, in one of our, our book clubs some time ago you can find a wee bit down the feed uh, and uh, through the the more, more recent uh, mini series the sequel mini series Force Multiplied and on to what will be the third mini series which is not this strangely uh, this is uh, this is a, an anthology that is sitting between you know it, it's been published between the second and third series but it sits in time before it. Um, and I'm not uh, historically a huge fan of anthologies, but I think this will this will will suit quite quite well. Um, so this is by writers Greg Rucker and Andrew Wheeler, uh, and artists Leandro Fernandez and uh, Jacopo Comandie. Um What it is is a star-studded anthology event, the best-selling, critically acclaimed old guard, now a hit Netflix movie starring Charlize Theron. Uh, if you haven't seen that, definitely get a look at it. Returns in all new stories by writers Greg Rucka, Jason Ara, Vida Ayala, Brian Michael Bendis, Kelly Sue DeConnick, Matt Fraction, David F. Walker, and more. And artists Leandro Fernandez, Horatio Altuna, uh, Rick Burchett, Valentin Delandro, uh, Justin Greenwood, Kano, Steve Leiber, and uh, Nicholas Scott, and more. So uh, Andromache, the Scythian. Uh, a warrior over 6,000 years old, uh, we know her as Andy, who has fought more battles than she cares to remember, has kept one constant companion through her lifelong her lifetime of combat. Her 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 labrys or her, her battle axe has taken many forms and many lives, and in its centuries at her side, uh, we learn that we learn that story as told by old guard creators Greg Rucka and Leandro Fernandez. Meanwhile. Uh, Niccolo, Nicky de Genova, and uh, Yusuf, Joe, uh, Al Kaysani, uh, lovers since they tried and failed to kill each other in the First Crusade, spend an evening at Berlin's famed El Dorado nightclub in the twilight era of 1932, sharing drinks with drag queens and fist-fighting Nazis in an all-new story, story by writer Andrew Moore and uh, Jacob Okamanji. So that's the uh, that's the first issue, I think, of six issues. Mm-hmm. Um I gotta say, cover B uh, there by uh, Jacopo Camagni uh, looks looks great. It's just uh, it's just Joe and it's just uh, Joe and Nikki together in this nightclub, and there's there's definitely a, a wee Dan Mora sniff to it. Yeah, I, love uh, that, I would say, yeah. Um, this this looks phenomenal, doesn't it? Yeah, very much. So I mean, that's that's a heavyweight uh, assembly of talent right there, and it's. And it's a testament to how good the the series and the property is that it has attracted that level of uh, interest from these creators. So, you know, as you say, this will do as a nice little stopgap while, you know, Greg Rucka and Leandro Fernandez no doubt work on volume three, the third and final volume. I believe he always said, Rucka always said it was a trilogy, didn't he? He did, he did. And I think it'll serve as a, yeah, as you, just exactly as that. But I think it could potentially serve as a nice jumping on point as well. 
uh, you know, for folks. Um, I, I do find it a wee bit, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm just being cynical, but that all these folk jump on after the success of the Netflix movie. Uh, whereas, you know, You're I'm so pretty... cynical, Keith. <laughs> so cynical. Whereas we were, we were on board uh, long before <laughs> it was even announced. Just like we were collecting comics long before it was cool. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Old Guard Tales Through Time, number one of six right there. Uh, continuing on the image book, uh, this one actually caught my eye a little bit, and uh, this is an adaptation of a, a classic Jules Verne story, Lighthouse. Uh, this has the creative team of David Hine and Brian Haberlin on writing. Brian Haberlin is also artist on this, along with Gerard Van Dyke. So there's a little bit of preview art in the previews page, and, and that's what's actually caught my eye here. So story-wise, it's at the edge of the galaxy, there is a giant supercomputer known as the Lighthouse. The only brain powerful enough to navigate ships through a sargasso of naturally occurring wormholes, potentially cutting months or even years off a spaceship's journey. Three humans, one alien and a nanny bot, that sounds like the start of a, a joke right there, have manned a remote <laughs> station for years in relative peace until the arrival of Captain Congre and his band of cutthroat pirates threatens the future of civilization and reveals that each of the lighthouse crew has been hiding a shocking secret. He who controls the lighthouse controls this part of the galaxy. From the team that brought you the marked and Sonata comes this double-sized sci-fi thriller set on the high seas of space, but based on the work of master storyteller Jules Verne. So this is going to be a five-issue mini, uh, April 14th for this one. Is this a, a story you're familiar with at all? I am not familiar with the with the, the, the Jules Verne story in which it's based. I am familiar with Jules Verne, of course. Uh, like you, I saw the art. I was interested when I saw Jules Verne's name which is probably why they put Jules Verne's name on there. Uh, I was really interested when I saw the art, and then I was really, really interested whenever I saw Image's little light bulb box, which says the expansive world building is not a is not a, a, a turn of phrase that we're, we're always sticking to, of Sonata, paired with the swashbuckling adventures of Firefly. There you go, Keith Sold. Job done. Yep. <coughs> Firefly is definitely one of those things that will do that for you. So, uh, yeah, I thought it looked really, really cool. So there is that. Uh, I'll let you take point on the next one. Once again, our favorite right, one of our favorite writers yeah. is back again. Absolutely. Chip Zdarsky. I mean, that man must have no time just at the minute. This was one that we saw, we all saw solicited uh, last week, I think, on the, on the internets. Uh, it is an anthology, I believe. Uh, it's an Eisner Award-winning uh Artist Michael Walsh, Star Wars, Black Hammer, Justice League, teams up with all-star lineup of collaborators, Chip Zdarsky, Kelly Thompson, Ed Breeson, Jeff Lemire, on a new horror anthology miniseries for mature readers. Each series, each issue, will tell a tale of terror in a shared supernatural world. The story starts in 1978 with a feeling rock band whose fortune suddenly changes when they find a mysterious silver coin, which is the name of the series. Uh, little do they know that fame comes with cost and the curse is always hungry. So this is a five-issue mini. Um, it says it's an all-new horror anthology in, the, in the, the tradition of Ice Cream Man, but with an alternating lineup of top-tier talent. It's, it's hard to look past that lineup. And the, the idea of, you know, an anthology book with a shared universe of collaborators, I guess, the, given the title, The Silver Coin, will be the 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 through line you know of the book but but yeah this looks this looks pretty awesome what do you reckon yeah big time you know has ever straight on anything by sadarsky but he's only writing issue one so this is actually the 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 
brainchild behind this seems to be the artist, Michael Walsh. Mm. So he's actually going to be drawing every issue and it's going to be scripted by a, a different writer every issue. So, yeah, same again. Some nice uh, preview art in the previews book there as well. But, yeah, you had me at uh, Chip Zdarsky. Uh, that's that's interesting as well because you've got a through line of the the silver coin, as I say, which is the the, the title of the book. Um, and I guess there's a there's there's probably a wee bit of folklore in there as well, um, a cursed coin. But it's nice that you have the through line of the artist as well, you know, because the variation of of the artist and the writer, the you know, the whole creative team might be a wee bit hard to take. Or even if but, it's just one writer and the art's different every issue. So this yeah, is well, yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is unusual. You don't really see it this way around. Usually it's, you know, in comics, despite it being such an obviously visual medium, writer is often keen. So it's it's nice to actually see an art-driven project, which will have, you know, different writers popping in and out for uh, for each issue. So, yeah, very, very much looking forward to that. And again, the, the, the pre-orders on that are already looking very, very good. Uh, could I invite you to talk about the next entry at all? Would I've, you be interested? I might just be interested. You know, I, I've I've been waiting on the return of this not quite as long as Vicky's been waiting for the return of Saga, but I've been waiting for the return of Deadly Class. So number forty. What was that? Sorry, I just uh, Vicky said to chip in in the background there and say not quite as long as me. I, I did say that. Uh, but yeah, Deadly Class 45. So this is a brand new story arc. So Rick Remander uh, is writing this. And you have art by Wes Craig and by Jason Wordy as well. So this is actually moving forward in time. So a lot of Deadly Class, there's always time jumps between each year. And we're now jumping up to 1991. So Save Your Generation Part 1 of the critically acclaimed bestseller Deadly Class returns in the apathy of the slacker era. Join Marcus in 1991 where he lives in a bathtub, delivers pizza, and hides from the bite of reality. Haunted by his past and unable to change his ways, he self-medicates with drugs, sex, and music snobbery. But his past is never too far behind him. New Deadly Class is is my drug. You know, when it comes to Image comic series, this is my favorite Image comic series. And that is a big statement right there. But I just absolutely adore Deadly Class. A show as well, cut down in its prime. You know, but... That's another whole podcast altogether. But <laughs> highly recommend jumping on Deadly Class. I mean, it's it's like with any image series. See if it's been going a little while like this. There will be what's called image firsts, which are reprints of the issue one of their biggest series. So there's image firsts of Deadly Class, of The Walking Dead, of Saga, of you know Peter Pan's or Faust, things like that. So if you're ever looking a new title to give a go to, there's a box in the store of of just image firsts. So give Deadly Class a chance, you will not be disappointed. That was a really strange choice in your part there, Peter Panzerfaust. That's a great title. Have you ever read yeah. it? No, I haven't. Yeah, it's uh, it's like a retelling of Peter Pan, but during World War Two. Very, very good. I'll see what they did there. You did. <laughs> um, but yeah, we always like to throw out starting points as well for indie books, not just for the, uh, for the superhero stuff. So we see there's a, a brand new arc kicking off in one of our favorites there. Department of Truth number eight, uh, James Tinian, uh, Martin Simmons and art, and there's a a, a lovely Bill Singowich cover as well. But this is the the start of the second story arc of Department of Truth, which has been an absolute smash so far. It's been a phenomenal book. Um, it's a like a conspiracy thriller horror sort of a thing. Um, Cole Turner, who is our protagonist, he thought he joined the right side of the war for the truth, but now he's learned more about 
Lee Harvey Oswald's tenure within the department? Uh, he's not so sure. The answers Cole seeks are hidden behind a pair of unsolvable riddles. Who is the fictional woman and what does she want from him? Uh, and I am really looking forward to finding out. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely worth jumping on there. If if you want to get on to Department of Truth by this point, the trade will be out, certainly, and that'll cover the first seven issues for you. And then you'll be able to jump onto this with a brand new arc. Uh, but one more I definitely wanted to bring up was a collection, a collected hardcover of, I think it's fair to say, one of our shared mutual favorite series of the last three, four, five years, last decade even, yeah. uh, when it comes to indie books. And that was a series called Middle West. Uh, a series written and created by Scotty Young, as well as artist Jorge Corona. So they, they have released all three volumes of this so far. It was 18 issues in total. And the first three volumes, or all three volumes, I should say, are all available as trade paperback. But they're giving it the equivalent of the absolute treatment, you know, that DC would do with, uh, you know, their top tier titles. So with Middle West, this is the complete tale hardcover. So in case you, you don't know about Middle West to this point, the, the blurb for it, Gives next to nothing away, but this is genuinely one of the best books the last few years. So, when a violent storm levels his sleepy Middle West town, Abel and his childhood companion, Fox, must hastily flee into a world of mystical carnies and soothsayer hobos, bridge trolls and wilderness spirits, endless forests and forgotten children. Scotty Young and Jorge Corona collect the complete Eisner Award nominated tale of Abel, a boy who must navigate a strange and mysterious land in order to discover who he can become. A thoroughly, thoroughly brilliant mm. title. Beautifully illustrated the whole way through it. Beautiful colours the whole way by Jean-Francois Bellew as well. Great letters by Nate Picos. This is just an absolute masterpiece of storytelling. Yeah, no, I totally agree. That was I would I would pick it up and read it again, you know, just to read it back to back, nearly. Uh, you know, with just a lovely some part Wizard of Oz, some part uh, Lord of the Rings, some part, I don't know. Um, Coming of Age tale. It's yeah, a road, absolutely, you know, it's, absolutely. It's a road story. It's a, you know, it's it's a folk, it's almost like a folk song. Yeah, just, yeah, there's, yeah. there was echoes of uh, of Rock Candy Mountain in there as well and, and all sorts of stuff. So, uh, yeah, really, really, enjoy, I, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't speak more highly than you have of the of the book. Um, just notice in there one that I, that I maybe didn't uh, didn't pick up. Uh, whenever you're talking about collected editions um, and and things that might read very well that way, uh, Jonathan Hickman's Decorum uh, has an advanced solicit in this book. It's a hardcover, uh, Decorum One to Eight, um, four hundred pages of. I mean, uh, Mike Huddleston's art is absolutely phenomenal in this. Uh, the story I think will probably read as much of Hickman stuff does more cohesively, you know, in, in one place. And this is the one about uh, there are many assassins in the known universe. This is the story of the most well-mannered one. Uh, so I would say, I don't know if you'll be picking that one up, Alan, or waiting for the trade. I know you were well, waiting until it's all together. Yeah, I've been collecting all the single issues of it because ah. you know, I, I, I have faith in Hickman. I have no doubt that it will all tie together, but... I just I'm not in his intelligence level, so I'm happy to wait until uh, <laughs> I don't think any of us are until it's all together. But just one last one from Image Comics to throw out for this was one that Vicky actually picked, uh, which is a series called Home. This is going to be a, a five issue mini series, and it it's the debut of some you know new creators. So we always like to showcase new talent as well as obviously following our established favorites. So this is written by Julio Anta with art by Anna Wyzek. 
for this one, when a young boy is torn away from his mother while seeking asylum at the US border, something begins to change in him. And it isn't just the trauma, anxiety and guilt you'd expect. He doesn't know it yet, but it's the onset of superhuman abilities that will change his life forever. Julio Anta and Anna Wysak debut with a deeply grounded and heartfelt five-issue series that explores the real-world implications of a migrant with extraordinary powers. So, interesting looking we won that. Really nice cover to it as well. So, new image series are, are always worth giving a go to. So, mm-hmm. going to be five issues, that one. Uh, crossover will be coming to an end in April. Uh, Donny Cates, uh, interesting, uh, I guess, crossover. <laughs> <laughs> you know the well, just the whole, there's not the whole the series arc. is coming to an end of the first oh arc. sorry it is the first arc sorry Jeez, yes you know, conclusion I, I, of the first arc i thought yeah. donny kitts was leaving comics behind for a second you know yeah, absolutely Venom, crossover <laughs> and i'll be looking forward to getting into noctera we're not in that just yet uh radiant black uh and two moons uh which are all hitting their their second or third issues uh and of course walking dead deluxe will be hitting number 12 and just remember with Walking Dead Deluxe and you know, it'll be interesting to see if this ever changes but Kirkman has always said there will not be trades of it. Single issues only. Do we believe him? Hmm. <laughs> well, uh, no comment for now. But yeah, that's pretty much Image Comics uh, covered. So just going to move on to Boom Entertainment now. So Boom have you know, consistently been one of our favorite publishers. So the first one that caught my eye with Boom, again, it's following you know the creator's side of things. So another new Ram V indie title coming out, which is called The Many Deaths of Lila Star. So this is Ram V writing and Felipe Andrade on art. And David Mack doing covers. Well, actually, this is a, a variant cover I've got in front of me. I love David Mack's stuff. Um, but this is a brand new miniseries. I believe it's going to be five issues hitting on April 14th. A powerful new series for fans of The Wicked and the Divine and The Dreaming from Ram V and Felipe Andrade that explores the fine line between living and dying in Mumbai through the lens of magical realism. With humanity on the verge of discovering immortality, the avatar of death is fired and relegated to the world below to live out her now finite days in the body of 20-something Lila Star in Mumbai. Struggling with her newfound mortality, Lila has found a way to be placed in the time and place where the creator of immortality will be born. But will Lila take her chance to permanently reverse the course of her future history, or does a more shocking fate await her? So, again, this is a, as I said before, this is all about following the creators. Ram V is very quickly turning into one of my favorite writers really enjoyed the first issue of future state swamp thing really dug his justice league dark run blue and green that original graphic novel was outstanding um you know it was a, it was a writer that very much roddy brought to the fore with us you know going right back to these savage shores uh which was one that he really enjoyed as well so i will definitely be all over this mm. um so that was many deaths of lila's star one that I thought was worth giving a, a shout out to. Now, this is, it, it's weird me saying this is a recommendation because it's probably not for me, but I know that there is a massive following for Magic the Gathering. So it would appear that Boom Entertainment have taken on the license for Magic the Gathering. And they have got some great talent behind it to launch a brand new series. So this is Magic number one. This is going to be written by Jed McKay, art by IG Guara, and the cover artist is Mario Scalera. So. This is not my fandom, so I can't claim to say that this is something that I know a lot about. But, just like Warhammer with Kieran Gillen relaunching through Marvel, maybe this will be a jumping on point for for even so, for myself. So, 
A new beginning for the pop culture phenomenon of magic starts here from Jed McKay and I.J. Guara, perfect for new readers and long-time fans. Across the vast multiverse, those gifted with a spark can tap into the raw power of magic and travel across realms. They are planeswalkers. When coordinated assassination attempts on guildmasters Ral Zarek, Varaska and Kaya rock the city of Ravnica and leave Jace Bellerin's life hanging in the balance, a fuse is lit that threatens not just these three guilds, but the entire plane of Ravnica. Now these three must covertly infiltrate the wild plane of Zendikar and form a tenuous alliance to uncover why the targets of the assassins have all been planeswalkers, which will lead them straight to one of the most enigmatic characters in magic history. You a Magic the Gathering guy? No, uh, I'm not. I never was. Sort of in the in the 90s, in a lot of ways, you were either a role player or you were a card collectible card gamer. Mm-hmm. And I very much uh, fell on the role playing side. And to some extent, there was a wee bit of, I guess, between the two industries because, you know, there was a limited amount of money in people's pockets and, you know, cards were a, a constant outlay you know whereas if you were a role player you were just buying uh, very expensive books once in a while um and it was usually it usually tended to be one or the other and they set themselves really against one another uh magic was one of the first collectible card games though there were collectible card games before magic um you know the fight and fantasy ones and different bits and pieces but no i never i never get into it i never get into it my brother i think dabbled in it a wee bit but uh but not at all no no very little about it other than the fact i guess you're you're tapping cards to, I don't know, to get power to do things. Um, but yeah, I know there's some of our some of our regulars that are a wee bit more, yeah, uh, into it. Yeah, there's um, there's there's definitely uh, definitely a crowd there for it within store anyway. So just thought it was worth highlighting a little bit. And then just to finish off on boom, just a couple of trades uh, for titles that we've enjoyed. So something is killing the children has reached volume three with a brand new trade paperback being released. And then there's also Wind Volume 1, which I think might have been solicited last month, but again, such a good story. I think it's worth mentioning again. Mm, that's the whole series, actually. That's the whole story of the original Wind 1 to 5. Wasn't that it? It is indeed, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was just a that was a lovely lovely book by James Tinian, uh, who is the, the current writer of... Uh, of Batman and also of something is killing the children, which we just mentioned. Uh, so uh, worth worth talking about. But Wind lives a quiet life in Pipe Town, uh, working at the local tavern, out of sight of the uh, out of sight in the secret rooms beneath the floorboards, often stealing away to catch glimpses of the the son of the castle's groundkeeper as he works. But Wind also has a secret: magical blood betrayed by his pointed ears, forbidden within the city limits. Joined by his best friend Oakley and Thorn, the groundskeeper's son. Uh, wins strange dreams and an encounter with the uh, with the city guard send him on the most dangerous adventure he could imagine where wind will discover the magic in the world around him and most importantly the magic within himself uh, yeah that that's just uh, just a great book and I'm, I was really glad to read the last issue that, that there it was only the first volume of a continuing story yeah so definitely get on that and that'll be released before that does come back in single issue form with a volume two uh, one that I grabbed, um, I grabbed the first issue of The Last Witch. The fourth issue of that five-issue miniseries is advertised this month by uh, Connor McCreary and VV Glass. It was brilliant. The yeah. first issue was great. Uh, I would highly recommend picking it up. Um, I mean, it is five issues. There's a lot of, uh, I guess there's a lot of Celtic mythology in it. Mm-hmm. There is, uh, there's, there's, there, it, it feels a wee bit like bone. Uh, it feels a wee bit like, 
like yeah it definitely belongs in that in that bone canto sort of you know place but there's just a wee bit of a, of a celtic side to it as well and mm-hmm. i imagine uh you know some of the some of the american uh, readers trying to pronounce the irish names uh be quite quite uh, the first issue the first issue has a has a sorcia and a, and a podrig uh so <laughs> you're doing all right there yeah they'll have fun with that i would say <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's pretty much it just in terms of Boom. Uh, I did pick out a couple just for Aftershock, just a, a publisher I've, I've been enjoying more and more. There's a brand new single issue series starting called Phantom on the Scan. There's a brand new number one by Cullen Bunn, who seems to be another one of the busiest writers in comics every month. There seems to be a new title. Uh, art and colorist on this is Mark Torres. So with this one, I, I just thought the uh, the blurb for this sounded really, really interesting. So Columban tends to focus more on horror-based comics. He has said that his uh, three main influences in this book are The Shining, Firestarter, and The Dead Zone. So he's a Stephen King fan, to say the least. Mm-hmm. But with this one, 20 years ago, a comet fell to Earth. Since that night, Matthew has been haunted. Haunted by a spirit that gives him incredible psychic abilities. But these abilities come with a price, and payment is due. Every time Matthew uses his gifts, he draws closer to death, and other psychics, all of whom gained their powers on the night the comet fell, are dying in the most horrible of ways. To save himself, Matthew gathers a group of psychics to solve the mystery of their powers before it's too late. That actually reminds me a little bit of a... uh, Although it had more of a superhero slant than a horror slant, a J. Michael Straczynski title called Rising Stars, where a comet fell and they all had shared powers and they all started getting more powerful if other ones died, so... It's. Uh, I think there's been a little bit of inspiration there as well. So, but was yeah, that, is, is there not something very the resistance by AWA? Was that does that not have a similar grip of a small number of heroes that? Yeah, that got uh, that got affected as well. So yeah, yeah there's a few uh, a few to compare it to. I suppose it's a case of if you enjoyed this, you'll enjoy this. <laughs> uh, there is also the trade paperback dropping of Lonely Receiver, which is a, a title that I very much enjoyed. I know you only really sort of read issue one and then you weren't too sure, but I, I've really enjoyed it since after say. I mean, yeah, I should I should I should pick it up. I should pick it up. Uh, Zach Thompson is the writer on Undone by Blood, uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, I, I don't know that I didn't not enjoy it. I really enjoyed the message that it was that it was conveying, you know, mm-hmm. about our I guess our addiction to our phones or our, our Social media or electronic devices and such. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be. I certainly wouldn't be against uh, against reading the rest of it for sure. It was just maybe a wee bit strange for me that day, or <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Well, why don't we move away from that strange and onto some stranger things? <laughs> hey, see what you did there. See what you did there. So uh, we're we're moving back to uh, back to Dark Horse, uh, I guess, and. Uh, yeah, one of the books. I guess I've I've really enjoyed this this book in singles, and I just think now is the perfect time just to, to highlight it and uh, to highlight it when it's coming out now in uh, in trade. Uh, I'm just uh, just flicking through the pages here trying to find it. Uh, so yeah, it's by Stranger Things. It's bringing together Stranger Things and Dungeons and Dragons. So obviously Dungeons and Dragons is a huge part of the Stranger Things TV series, and Jim Zobin writing and and Jodie Hauser on on a Jim Zobin, Jody Hauser on writing, and uh, Kyle Lambert on art really pull those things together. So this is this is soft cover. It's uh, ninety six pages. It's actually it's actually on sale in June. Actually, I've noticed it's a 
It's an, an advanced solicit. So we follow the crew from Hawkins, Indiana, as they discover the legendary monsters and epic adventures of the Dungeons and Dragons tabletop role-playing game together. Long before the dreaded Demogorgon took one of them to the upside down, watch Mike, Lucas and Will bond with Dustin for the first time over the game that would define their childhood. Uh, see the party come together as a team through their communal story and perilous quest to learn important lessons about friendship, find the courage to stand up to the bullies that challenge them in their everyday. So this, I mean, this is a love letter to Dungeons and Dragons, uh, you know, that has, you know, defined role. But Dungeons and Dragons is the game that has defined role playing. And you're looking at it through the lens of, I guess, your favorite icons of 80s nostalgia. And given that I was playing Dungeons and Dragons in the 80s, this just was this just was right up my street, you know, and it really they really Hauser and, and Zob really have the voices of the characters and Kyle Lambert really manifests them on the page. You can you know, you there's sometimes you you read books about licenses or about TV shows that you've seen and the, the characters just don't look anything like, you know, the characters in the show or in the movie. And I mean I wouldn't always lean towards those sorts of adaptions, but this has just been really, really good. Um, as a fan of Stranger Things and as Dungeons and Dragons, you know, if if that's your wheelhouse, then just grab this trade paperback because it really is a brilliant story, really fantastic story. Cool. So that's uh, Stranger Things, Dungeons and Dragons, of course, on Dark Horse Comics. Uh, one I wanted to throw out. Well, I say I wanted to throw it out. This is more of a Vicky choice than my own, but there is a uh, library edition hardcover coming out for Madman. Uh, which is the Mad Maniverse Library, as it's being called. <laughs> this was a creation by the Allreds, Michael Allred, Laura Allred, and Han Allred. And this was actually one of the first comics that got Vicky into comics. Uh, there was a spin-off series from it called It Girl and the Atomics, but it came out of the pages of Madman. So this is, uh, again, an advanced solicit, not out until June 9th. But uh, from Madman's first appearance through his mysterious origins to his adventures throughout time, space, and pop art absurdity, Follow Frank Einstein's superhero alter ego Madman as he adventures through Snap City and encounters many timeless characters and villains in this true homage to superhero fiction, metaphysical philosophy, 1950s science fiction films, pop music, and much more in this true humorous and heartfelt comic book classic. This Universe Library Edition series collects all of Allred's award-winning Madman comics in selected reading order for the ultimate Madman fan. 680 pages collects uh, Madman's Adventures from 1990 to 1996, reprinting for the record Madman 1-3, Madman Adventures 1-3, and Madman Comics 1-10. Bonus pinups by some of comics' greatest talents, such as Frank Miller, Jack Kirby, Mobius, and more. And featuring they, Allred's never-before-published first effort to make comics. So, again, another little time capsule uh, omnibus that I thought was worth throwing out a bit of love for. And I take it it doesn't uh, have his recent appearance in Donny Cates' crossover miniseries. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Luckily for you, I read that two days ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I was pretty sure you had. I was pretty sure you had. Um, yeah, I mean, not not a character I ever had a lot of a lot of experience with, I have to say. I And Mike Alred and a lot of his characters sort of, including It Girl, I think, were part of uh, his reboot of um, X-Force that then became Ecstatics, mm-hmm. uh, I think, for Marvel. Um, yeah, that's an odd one. That's one that's outside of my experience. Yeah, we've loads of the issues of it upstairs. Vicky went through a period of collecting a lot of the Madman stuff and, and it Girl and the Atomics and so forth, so... Yeah, um, and then was there just one more Dark Horse thing you wanted to throw out? 
Yeah, an interesting one. Um, the Art of Arkham, Arkham Horror hardcover by uh, by Asmodee. Um, it's inspired. It's an art book. It's inspired by the works of H.P. Lovecraft, the bizarre and uh, terrifying town of Arkham, Massachusetts. It's peopled with courageous townsfolk and wise mystics and curious academics who seek to understand the unknowable ancient entities that dwell at the edge of our reality. This full-color hardcover collection showcases the dynamic illustrations of the investigators and their allies, as well as the monsters directly inspired by the Cthulhu mythos, even ancient ones themselves. Alongside the elder creatures and intrepid investigators, each brooding location is beautifully rendered in a large, lush format so that readers can examine every amazing detail. So Dark Horse Books and Asmodee uh, join forces to present the art of Arkham Horror. Uh, this volume is a must-have for fan of tabletop gaming or HP Lovecraft lore. So I guess it's, you know, it's inspired by the board game Arkham Horror Um you know, and uh, certainly it's it's very much that that art style. So just just looks gorgeous. Uh, I guess I was thinking about you as well. You know, with the uh, the the at the mountains of madness illustrated that you you recently acquired. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, looks uh, looks lovely. Yeah, get plenty of those really nice, uh, almost coffee table books. I suppose when you get the sort of art books and so forth. So some of them are absolutely gorgeous. So they are brilliantly put together say if i get into these and need a bigger coffee table <laughs> i think you're right i think you're right um so yeah so that's dark horse move on to idw now and again if we had the board in the store i'm sure this would be at the top of vicky's picks <laughs> uh our favorite uh little tin knight is back again so this is going to be a brand new uh three issue mini series so this is almost like a a spin-off series for canto uh, so David Embor still on writing duties, but the artist on this one is actually Sebastian Sebastian Perez, uh, while Drew Zucker works on the next full volume. But I suppose this is uh, akin to the Clockwork Fairies, which was a what David referred to as a side quest. So this one is Canto in the City of Giants, uh, a brand new number one of three. Canto has surprised, delighted, and moved readers with his tales of the clockwork hero fighting for love, his people, and hope. In this special Kanto series, our titular hero reunites with the giant guardians of Dis, Fra and Ba, as well as other friends and foes to recruit the kingdom of giants to his quest to defeat the Shrouded Man. Kanto co-creator David M. Bohr and artist Sebastian Perez from Headspace and Disaster Inc. bridge Kanto 2, The Hollow Man, to the upcoming Kanto 3. So, April 14th for this. Kanto again, it's it's you know a title we push all the time in the store, a title we talk about all the time. It's probably about third on our in terms of pull list numbers for indie series, and that's based just squarely on the strength of the story because a lot of people came to it late. But I have a feeling they'll come to this one early. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, you can you can get a get an earful. Uh, we we were lucky enough to visit the creators or visit uh, interview the creators of Canto uh, on one of our podcasts not so long ago. So uh, worth having a wee. Uh, listen back to that definitely definitely so yeah canto in the city of giants number one of three and then one other one i just thought i'd throw out a bit of attention for especially given the godzilla versus kong trailer that just dropped a couple of days ago and <laughs> that looks like hilarious nonsense that looks like a big barrel of nonsense but in the most entertaining <laughs> of ways so uh godzilla there's a new godzilla comic coming out in april which is godzilla monsters and protectors number one is written by Eric Burnham, art by Dan Schoening. Uh, so Godzilla roars back in the comics, Rise Up, Part 1. When a coldly single-minded businessman uses an untested element to create clean energy for a profit, 
he inadvertently awakens the beast from the deep, Godzilla. Sensing the harm the new energy poses to the planet, Godzilla attacks the heart of the problem, humankind. It will be up to three intrepid middle school students, isn't it always, uh, with a little magic help from the infant island to show Godzilla that not all humans are banned, uh, that are bad, sorry, and that there is still hope for planet Earth. Reuniting the blockbuster creative team of writer Eric Burnham, Dan Shoning from Ghostbusters, Godzilla, Monsters and Protectors, promises to romp and stomp fans old and new of the greatest kaiju ever like never before so yeah we we have a few godzilla fans in in store so i just thought that was worth throwing out uh, uh, a little bit of a mention but we move on now to another one which would have again been one of my picks for the board and again this is this is squarely just because of the creative team so we're moving on to vault comics now and a new series called radio apocalypse so this is a brand new number one launching on april 28th now i've talked before about my absolute admiration and love for blue and green an original graphic novel that came out at image comics it was written by ram v it had art by anand rk and the colorist on it was aditya bitakar those same three are working on this one so Radio Apocalypse, long after the rock out of space struck the world and turned it all to dust, in Bakerstown stands the last radio station on the planet. Radio Apocalypse broadcasting into the unknown, a beacon in the dark for those who wander the lost places. Now change is coming to Bakerstown. Among the refugees flocking into an already precarious settlement, an orphan boy, Rion, caught in an indiscretion will twine his fate with the radio station, and in doing so begin his mixtape of love and heartbreak and interminable hope. The soundtrack to End of the World. I mean, Ramvi is clearly a big music fan. You know, Blue and Green obviously lean mm. very, very heavily on jazz. Uh, with this one, this seems like a very steampunky vibe, but also the, the indie spirit of radio and so forth. But again, it's just it's that creative team. You know, to have all three of them reunited into a new title, I am all over this, and I will be pushing the heck out of this one because blue and green as well is also brilliant and i really want to push that more in store as well so so yeah radio apocalypse number one i get the feeling that would have been a roddy pick as well so you know once again he's not dead but i'm keeping his spirit alive <laughs> i was chatting to him this week actually he's uh we, we got down and got a, a socially distanced tech out coffee uh and he's uh he's doing very well and asking for everybody Good to hear. Good to hear. So, just a couple then to finish off with. I believe you've got a wee pick from Titan Comics. Yeah, I've really been enjoying Titan's new, uh, brand new Doctor Who comics series, uh, and they're debuting one of the Doctor's darkest nemeses this April in uh, Doctor Who Missy Number One. Uh, I hate that name, Missy. I guess it's short for Mistress. The you know who she's the 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 latest incarnation of the Doctor Who's arch enemy, the Master um from the the new tv series um says missy wedges war on the doctor but this time she's not alone can the combined brilliance of the third that's pertwee and the 12th which one's that uh is that as is, is, is 12 is that um david Tennant? you're asking the wrong person. yeah it's i can't even it no matt it's smith? not no it's not it's not it's matt smith or is it the, the one after um i can't even remember capaldi um can the twelfth and third, the third and twelfth Doctor, avert her deadly scheme, uh, or will she get her hands on a secret weapon capable of wreaking havoc in the universe? This special story, celebrating the fiftieth anniversary of the Master's first appearance, will feature more Doctors and Masters than ever before. So, uh, yeah, following on from the the Doctor Who comic crossover adventures with the tenth and the thirteenth Doctors, 
battled villains like the Weeping Angel, uh, Scythra, uh, Sea Devils, and Autons. This new story features a series that expands its horizons even further with the first appearance of the 12th Doctor's arch rival, uh, Missy, as played by Michelle Gomez. So yeah, that should be if it's if it's of the quality, uh, if it's of the quality of of, of the 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 current Doctor Who comic series will be will be doing rightly, uh, for sure. Cool. And then just one last one I want to throw out uh, a mention for. This is again from a very small press publisher called Magnetic Press, but it was just the art style that really caught this for me. This is an original graphic novel. It's called Hard Melody. And it's written and drawn by Lu Ming. So with this one, it's about three 30-year-old friends who reunite in Beijing after nearly 10 years apart. They used to be freewheeling rock and rollers without a care in the world. But now, after tasting their own variation of freedom in New China, they are tormented by how unforgiving and unglamorous life had become. Nothing at all like the fame and fortune they dreamed about as kids. After comparing stories of disappointment over beers, they are reminded of how much youth they've lost when a group of kids torments them into a brawl. Re-energized by the encounter, they decide to reform the band and this time take over the world. But reality gets in the way when one of them finds out his family is going to be evicted along with their whole neighborhood due to shady government zoning. Putting their dreams aside to fight for their rightful property, they find themselves in a violent uprising pitting neighborhood residents against police and bulldozers. And when the heat gets turned up high enough, fuses are bound to be lit. A story of youthful dreams clashing with the reality of adulthood set against the backdrop of modern China. I'm all about the music titles tonight, it would appear. Mm-hmm. Um, preview art for this just looks incredible. It's it's not a creator I'm I'm familiar with at all, but I, uh, I'll i definitely be checking this out, and then that might lead to, to some other stuff as well. So, yeah, Hard Melody. It's a hardcover original graphic novel from Magnetic Press. And Lovely. I will leave you then to choose the last from this month's book then. Uh, okay, I mean this is a this is a wee odd one, maybe maybe inspired by Roddy as well. Uh, it's a spotlight book from uh, from Cinebook, uh, who are uh, a comic company that we don't talk about very often, uh, and it's called Lonesome Volume One: Preacher's Trail. It's a fifty six page graphic novel by uh, Eve Swolfs, who is a a Belgian comic book writer and artist best known for. The Western series Durango, which started in 1980, uh, and this is set in Kansas, 1861. As tensions rise between the northern and southern states, a fanatical, violent preacher leaves a trail of corpses behind him, all the while calling people to take up arms against the pro-slavery states. Close in his tail is a lone rider with a strange gift. He can read the past and the future of those he touches. In the small town of Holton, a showdown is brewing, but things aren't as straightforward as they seem. The first volume of a Western with supernatural overtones. Uh, so there you are. Um, that that just tickles my tickles my Western fancy. I was going to uh, say, there's a very obvious reason why this is clearly appealing to you. Mm-hmm. It has to be said. So, yeah. Cool. So that is Lonesome Volume 1, Preacher's Trail, uh, an original 56-page graphic novel. So that's going to do it for us. There is, of course, way more than what we've went through, but, you know, we're already hitting two hours, so we can't recommend anymore. But yeah, <laughs> make sure to check out all the previews online. You can find the the previews lists easy enough. Just Google Previews World uh, February Book, and you'll you'll get a list of everything that's there. Those are just the ones that we are are looking forward to most, and and that we would certainly happily spend our hard earned money on. So yeah, that's going to do it. Anything appeals to you guys as ever, just get in touch. Uh, either 
you know get in touch through facebook through the page coffee and heroes or you can uh, drop us an email at coffeeandheroes at hotmail.com at the moment all pull lists are being sent all of the titles i should say are being sent to our home so pull lists are still being put together bagged and boarded and safely kept for you for when you're ready to either pick them up when hopefully this is all over or we will get uh, deliveries out to you as well so always keep an eye on the social media stuff facebook instagram twitter and all the rest for uh for any more further updates what is the cutoff date for this one this is a good few weeks away we've recorded nice and early so the cutoff date isn't until around the 20th or so of february so you've got a good three weeks plus to uh take in all this knowledge and uh make your choices so uh that is going to do it for us i hope you guys find this useful as always i'm sure we will be back with a review show soon so many thanks as always to keith thank you sir that was uh, great fun thanks very much awesome now we're away to read some comics and prepare for that review show <laughs> <laughs> Till next time bye bye